and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, and this is episode 150. We made it. One five zero. <laughs> and I'm Dan. I'm Ryan. Matt's not here because he traffic. He was a wimp. Apparently the traffic really sucks around the Orem area today. He said, so for the past couple of weeks, he's had trouble because there's been accidents on yeah, the way to the house yeah. and it's taken him a long time to get here. And I got a text message from him today saying, I can't even get on the freeway now. Fuck it. I'm not going to sit in traffic for two hours. <laughs> so, but he was bummed out because he was looking forward to this and meeting Jason and, and all that. But we are joined in studio by the Austin, the Austin, the Austin Jason Sock. <laughs> That's about right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got Jason Stock in the studio with us. He is the brewmaster at Squatters Downtown Salt Lake City. An uh, old friend of mine from the days of your working at AT&T Universal Card. <laughs> and someone you've mentioned a few times in, in the, the 90s. Yes. Jason is the ma- – say hi, Jason. Hi. Hi, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Jason is the guy who uh, first turned me on to any bit of atheism, anything. I mentioned before that the first atheist book that I – or atheist-related book that I read was Sagan's uh, Demon Haunted World, hmm. Science is a Candle in the Dark. And that was at the recommendation of this fine-bearded gent <laughs> sitting across the table from me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jason. You are a foreman. Yes, uh, <laughs> foreman, uh, born and raised LDS, pretty much raised here in, in, uh, in Utah, Salt Lake City. Um, went on a mission to Indiana, of all places. <laughs> uh, every time somebody asked where I went on my mission and said Indiana, India? Uh, no, in <laughs> Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how far you want me to get ahead of myself, but yeah. Um, All the things start early. So yeah. attending attending church as a, as a faithful Mormon. How many brothers and sisters have you got? I've got uh, two brothers and two sisters. You'll notice I didn't say, do you have any other siblings? Because you're LDS and I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got, I'm the oldest, but I've got two brothers and two sisters. And um, yeah, we were all raised LDS. I wouldn't say you know, hyper conservative or anything, but my, my parents seemed to take it pretty seriously. And, uh, in hindsight, I found out my dad was just going through the motions, but he didn't, uh, he didn't come out until after I came out. So I was kind of the catalyst for 
my entire family. Um, nice. You're just making atheists wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I don't know that they'd all claim atheism quite, but they're not Mormon for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people get uncomfortable with that, uh, with the, the term the title. Still. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I did for a while and, and actually you already mentioned it, but Carl Sagan's book is what, uh, that was really when I realized what I was, you know, I, I went through that, that typical, you know, from Mormon to non-denominational Christian to, uh, Okay, now the Bible doesn't make any sense now that I've studied that. Well, I, I had studied that pretty thoroughly, but I thought there's, there's got to be something to this. And uh, left that behind. Then I thought, well, I'm just a, you know, spiritual person. Maybe a deist yeah, kind deist, of thing. Yeah, yeah. probably deist. And, uh, and then agnostic was more comfortable for a while. And then um, actually it was uh, George H. Smith's book, The uh, Atheism, The Case Against God, I guess, was the one that um, that I – when I read that, I realized – no, you're an atheist. You know, you can quit being, you can quit being a wuss about Stop it. Being just just step being about and, it. Yeah, step up and be, a, be an atheist. You know, that is what you are. <laughs> George I haven't read that one. Oh, really? Is yeah. it good? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's dry philosophical crap, but that's what I like. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, highly recommend. I, um, I lent that copy out so many times I don't have it anymore or, or I'd offer it to you. So, but yeah. Um, uh, I think Sagan, what I liked about him, he was so, gentle with you you know <laughs> he, he could bring you over without without like slamming your head against the wall where uh george smith not so much he's pretty to the point um and uh makes a really good case i think for for atheism but uh now i've lost my train of thought where was i going sorry oh we were just uh, talking about yeah. early days and growing up lds and yeah um, brothers and sisters and yeah so yeah raised pretty typical mormon family out in west jordan utah um you know we every so often kept the Sabbath holy when my parents felt like it. And <laughs> but uh, so you guys didn't attend church regularly then? No, well, we attended church, but when I say kept the Sabbath holy, we were one of the the few families in the neighborhood that couldn't go out to play on Sunday. You uh, had to sit okay. inside and watch all of your friends outside because we were keeping the Sabbath holy. Ah, uh, right, right. So we were we were that religious, but not. I never considered us like too crazy. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Um. Crazy and, people never think they're crazy, though, right? No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> it's, the, it's the sane people who question if they're sane or not, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ended up – I actually, um, in high school, uh, had a teacher – I wish I had a better memory now, but he, you know, it's probably just a, a world – world history class or something. I remember going over world religions like the, the, the Greeks and everything else. And then, uh, probably being a sophomore, junior in high school, put, putting that together finally and saying like, well, how is that any different than what we're doing today? You know, their, their God seems silly to us. Today. Yeah. Like, did they actually believe this stuff? <laughs> yeah. And then, then stepping back and being like, wait a minute, uh, this whole Jesus story and Muhammad or whatever other current religion is, equally the same. And I stayed after to talk to my teacher in high school and he had the guts to kind of tell me like, look, I can't really talk to this, to talk to you about this, but you're on the right track. You know? <laughs> and, um, he gave me that confidence and I, I would have considered myself an atheist as a junior in high school. And then, um, I met my now ex-wife and, uh, she, shall we say, converted me to Mormonism, uh, but um, she redirected you onto the yeah. right path. <laughs> right. And to be fair, I mean, it was sincere at the time. It wasn't all about uh, just having a girlfriend or whatever. I'd, when I when I converted, you know, back to Mormonism, I'd been pretty rebellious. I dabbled with drinking and smoking cigarettes and things, and and so everybody in the in the ward in the neighborhood, um, you know, didn't like me. All the all the adults, <laughs> I was, he's rebel. a rebel, yeah, the he's rebel, a bad the bad seed, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, when she 
you know, convince me that I, that we should be together, but she wanted to marry somebody who was, you know, worthy to go to the temple and all that. I can't get into the celestial kingdom unless you call me there. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) So I fell for that, um, to be honest, but what made it sincere was when I did that, um, you know, in hindsight, I can see it all, all of the people in the neighborhood. Suddenly I was the golden child. Mm. Um, the adults love me. I got a lot more privileges. My parents let me borrow the car without question, gave me gas money. And I mistook all of these good feelings as the spirit. Mm. And, um, I like to think of myself as a pretty, um, oh, what's the right word here? Sane. Well, yeah, not, not at the time. <laughs> when I actually believe in something, I'll, I'll really follow through with it. Yeah. yeah. So once, you're, you're once dedicated. I decided like this is, yeah, thank you. Um, once I decided, oh yeah, the church is true. I've got these feelings and it's feeling good. And you know, I've, I've got to do what they ask now. And so I decided, well, I, you know, I was a 17, 18 year old kid and I decided I, the thing you do is you go on a mission and. Yep. Before I knew it, I had a patriarchal blessing, which, um, to be fair to them, that was, uh, I would call a spiritual experience in hindsight. I see how it happens, but, uh, at 18, it blew my socks off, you know, just like, wow, someone just laid out my whole life for me. And it sounds pretty good. If I just stay worthy, um, (laughs) I've got a good life ahead of me. And, uh, and, um, yeah, next thing I knew I was, um, sitting in Provo at the, uh, MTC (laughs) with everything I owned in a suitcase and, Honestly, kind of going, well, fuck, what did I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> then I thought, well, you know, there, there was a big stigma. I don't, I don't know how common this is in my neighborhood. Once you committed and went, you did not come home early. I mean, that was. Oh, yeah. If you come a, home uh, early from your mission, that's a. Yeah, huge taboo. Yeah. So. You might as well just tattoo a scarlet A on your forehead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I realized, well, you're in it now. So let's do it and make the best of it. And. Went on the mission, uh, was a, I'd call myself a pretty hyper committed missionary. Uh, you hear guys joke about, you know, going out there and screwing around and doing whatever. And I took it very seriously. And in hindsight, again, I'm using that word a lot. Sorry. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I did because it, it taught me to take the religion seriously. Um, and I, I really studied it. And, um, my mission is what got me out of the church for sure. Yeah. Um, eventually I, well, I want to back up for just a second. So sure. you, you mentioned that once you reconverted and started going back to church that, you know, everybody, everybody started looking at you differently, right? Your parents would give you the keys to the car, give you gas money. And, and you viewed that all as, you know, part of the spirit and, and everything that I guess I'd never really thought about it that way that. You know, if, if people view you as a good church going person, then the rewards kind of come along with that, right? And, right. and so it's, it would be easy to view that as, oh, well, this is the spirit talking to me and telling me that the church is true because now my life is so much easier. I'm getting, I'm getting all these extra blessings. People are treating me with more respect. My life is easier. Yeah. So yeah, I can, I can see that. I, that's something that had never really occurred to me before. Sure. Yeah. That at the time. It didn't me either. I just thought, wow, things are falling into place for a change. And uh-huh. my parents aren't always mad at me and, and the neighbors will wave <laughs> when I walk down the street, you know, and then boy, tell them you're going on a mission and that goes up exponentially, you know, and I, oh, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of a good gravy train there for a while. <laughs> and then, uh, oh yeah, just ended up, um, ended up on the mission and, uh, the real catalyst for me, I mean, it was maybe halfway through my mission. We taught a, uh, a gentleman who happened to be black, the discussions and to be frank, it just the, the issue with the blacks and the priesthood had never occurred to me as an issue. Um, so when you well, say the discussions, what do you, what do you mean? 
Um, well, Mormon missionaries have, as I recall, it was the, the nine discussions that are kind of uh, wrote, memorized, short little lessons that are designed to, to teach somebody the basics of the church. The sales pitch. The sales pitch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, those discussions leave out a lot of, uh, obviously, yeah, <laughs> leave out yeah. a lot of juicy details like, oh, I don't know, polygamy, um, the banning of the blacks and the priesthood. Um, mm -hmm. Quite a few things are left out of these discussions. You know, they're, they're just all about uh, eternal life with your family and want it feel good. And, you know. Yeah, it's, it, it's the milk before the meat, right? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's all of the great things about the church and yeah. none of the things that would possibly turn any potential convert away because you're trying yeah. to convert them, right? Except, so you're only telling tithing. them the good and fluffy I'll, stuff. Uh, I'll give them that. They bring up tithing fairly quickly. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Which you think would kind of be like, okay, never mind. <laughs> you want how much of my paycheck? 10%. 10%. Of my what? Of my gross? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've taught, taught, um, his name was John. I'm struggling to remember his last name, but he, we taught him most of the discussions and, um, and one day we, we showed up to teach another discussion and he was, he seemed kind of, uh, out of character, nervous, had kind of a nervous laughter, you know, and just a little agitated, agitated for sure. He, he, I should also mention was married to a uh, member of the church and she happened to be a white woman, but, um, anyway, we, um, sat down to teach him and he just kept kind of being agitated and, uh, mm. you know, well, what's wrong, John? You know, oh, you guys wouldn't believe it. You know, just, it's too crazy. I can't even tell you. And we're like, oh, you know, try us. We, we yeah. hear a lot of stuff. We're missionaries. So. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's just my mom just told me. Oh, no, me. we're, we're <laughs> worldly 19 year olds. You <laughs> right. can tell us anything. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, you know, we, um, kind of got it out of him that his mom had taught, had told him, well, I should, I should back up. He, you know, he says, well, my mom told me something about your church, but it's, it's just, it's just too crazy. I, I know you guys, you're just too nice. It's just, I know it's not true. Well, you know, test us. What did she tell you? We'll, we'll be honest with you no matter what. And he, he says, well, she said that your church didn't allow black men to hold the priesthood until 1978. And then the room fell silent. And I think he was waiting for us to be like, well, that's, oh, that's not true. Yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's we were, crazy talk. Yeah. Who would tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> Two white kids from Utah <laughs> <laughs> sitting here going like, well, oh, fuck, that's actually true. <laughs> and, um, and he got up, he, he burst into tears. He left his own home, you know? Yeah. Wow. I think understandably very upset. He, he was very, um, very interested in joining the church. I think primarily to keep his wife happy, but, uh, but I think he was taking it seriously and we were left sitting there yeah. with his, his now crying wife and him gone sitting in his home. And, uh, I just remember the bike ride home with my companion saying, you know, God, if I was, if I was John, I would have a problem with this. And it, yeah. as naive as it sounds, I know it's hard to, to understand, but growing up in West Jordan, Utah, our graduating class of my high school was like 2000 people. And I think we had two black kids in the entire school hmm. and they were both adopted into a Mormon family. Um, so I, I just really didn't have a lot of experience in that regard. And it, it didn't affect me. So I didn't think about it the way I should have. And I guess that was the catalyst that um, changed the way I thought about kind of everything in my life, but religion in particular, it taught me about my privilege for sure to realize I'm, I'm a white male. I'm kind of, Forgive me, listeners, but you know, the, the top of the heap socially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be, I, yeah. I happen to be there and I have to remember that. And then that quickly started to unravel the whole church, frankly, because then I, I started looking at everything from that perspective. What if I wasn't a white male? Where, where would I be in this church? You know? And so then polygamy really stuck in my craw when I started reading about, um, 
reading the Doctrine and Covenants, frankly, about what Joseph Smith did to basically blackmail Emma into accepting polygamy. And I realized like, wait, if I was a woman, I wouldn't have anything to do with this. But the yeah. angel has a flaming sword on <laughs> you. Come <laughs> <Right>. on. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, those things happened. And I, but the, the church does such a fine job of, um, of grooming you to question yourself rather than questioning the church. Yeah. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your church right. or your faith. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, honorably finished my mission uh, with, with my doubts, but I, I talked to leaders in the church and, was always told, oh, you need to fast and pray about that more. And, and you know. Did that we, work while you were on your mission or was it still no, the doubts still lingering the, the, the whole doubts, time? The doubts lingered, but they they did a, a great job psychologically on me where my assumption was I, I just wasn't, I wasn't praying enough. Or There's I, something wrong with oh, you, God, not right? with the I church. I wasn't studying enough. Yeah. And I mean, I read, I read the Book of Mormon cover to cover at least 12 times. I've read the Bible cover to cover. New Testament nine times, and I think the Old Testament four times. So wow. I've read the books, you know, and I, yeah. I was um, lucky enough to live with a member family that had a really extensive uh, library of LDS um, books, uh, like volumes of the history of the mm-hmm. church, and really delved into that, trying to find the the uh, official answers to my questions. And as happens to a lot of people, the more I dug into it and more I studied, the more questions came up. Um, but at the same time, they really had me over a barrel thinking I was the problem. Yeah. Because you know, the, the yeah. church is obviously true. So you've just got to figure that out and get in line. Um, they are really good at that, yeah, about it, about making people think that there's something wrong with them versus something being wrong with the church. Right? Yeah. But, because the church is perfect. It's, it's God's restored church here sure. on earth. Yeah. Surely there's nothing wrong with it. If you find a problem, it's with you. You, you just don't understand it clearly enough you haven't prayed hard enough you're yeah. not you don't you know you're you're not faithful enough right. you're you look too long at the victoria's secret catalog <laughs> yeah. how, how could the spirit be with you at this point you've yeah. been around somebody who has exposed their bare shoulders sure. maybe i mean how uh, this is an embarrassing but but true account for my mission this is how psychologically how good they have you is i'm a i'm a 20 year old kid that didn't masturbate for at least a year, believe it or not, being wow. guys. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Huh? Pat on the back here. <laughs> and uh, one day we- Was your little factory still just churning <laughs> stuff out though? Yeah, it, it certainly does. But yeah, I, I think you do hit a point though um, where you're just kind of- give up on it maybe i i don't know um but we we'd come home from a day of proselyting and uh we had a, an open mail area at our apartment where they left everyone's magazines and things mm-hmm. at the bottom and somebody there had a playboy that had come out of the black wrapper and was, oh, was no. open. yeah <laughs> i caught a glimpse of a booby and uh yeah we got the factory up and running that night <laughs> and uh and then looking back on this and this is horribly embarrassing but it's true right? <laughs> I went to confess this to another adult man and sat tearfully across the table, you know, crying about how I had masturbated one time in in a year and felt the need to go confess that to another adult human being as a 20-year-old man. And uh didn't occur to me at the time how weird that was. It just seemed like what I needed to oh. do to get pure enough to go and have the spirit to be, be able to find people and teach people the the gospel. So – 
Um, Hell, on so basic yeah. training, we announced it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even on deployments, it's like, I'm going to jerk off. <laughs> Don't come in the tent. <laughs> yeah. no, the mission's like the opposite of that. I, I, yeah, I think a lot of guys are doing it and not talking about it. I was sincere enough that I, I just really, I genuinely felt guilty about it. You know, and, and in hindsight, yeah, I look back on that period of my life. You, I should have brought a journal with me. It would be fun for us to read some excerpts because it's like an entirely different person. Yeah. You know, I'm obsessed with what the Lord thinks of what I'm doing and, and what happened that day and, you know, twisting every small little thing that happened through my day into, into the, the providence of the Lord guiding us to this and that. And, um, yeah, anyway, sorry, I keep really losing my train of thought. These are old, old memories. Now. No, this I'm is old, awesome. <laughs> This is what we do, man. We just kind of ramble and yeah. chit-chat and, yeah, you're but, good. Um, yeah, I uh, finished my mission. Um, I'd say I still definitely believed in the church, but had the had these really nagging questions. Had talked to my mission president repeatedly, tried to talk to other companions, but they didn't really appreciate um like most religious people, they don't appreciate being uh, introduced to those questions. They don't. They don't like the, the cognitive the dissonance yeah, the that discomfort. comes with you bringing up questions that they've never really thought about, and right. then they've got to start or, thinking about it themselves, and yeah. so they just try to push it all away. And I read the God Makers, and uh, while on my mission, which was a big no-no, I admit that we were not supposed to read any yeah. what they call anti-Mormon literature. <laughs> Um, and I will say this, you know, uh, fuck the, fuck the, uh, evangelical Christians for that shit because it makes it so easy for a Mormon to read it. And there are truths in that book, but there's also enough, uh, horseshit and lies for you to write them off completely and be like, well, the church is true. And I can't rem- remember the author's name of that book, but, uh, it's just so full of Christian horseshit that you're easily able to say, well, they're just making up lies because, yeah. because they did. Yeah. You know, I'd been through the temple. I knew they were lying about what happened in the temple and things like that. Anyway, so I was able to discount that and just kept well, and thinking. It, and oh. it's not like the LDS church is devoid of enough crazy shit that they could have been just completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and still made you have all of these questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, Called my dad that night, though. I remember that and just, you know, being distraught, like, uh, you know, the church might not be true. And he's like, well, you know, walked me through a few things and finished my mission, got home, unfortunately made some gigantic decisions. And the next, uh, well, um, my ex-wife my, uh, had waited for me. So there's that pressure. You know, you she was home. waiting for her missionary to she, come she, home. She did it. She successfully yeah. waited. And so. Oh, that's yep. adorable. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. we're divorced now. So if I can speak frankly, <laughs> really, uh, in hindsight, yeah, I wish she had not waited, but <laughs> I have two beautiful children. Let me put it that way. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, a.k.a. The Cybabe, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You can find me at Cybabe.com, at my Twitter account, at The Cybabe, and if you've hunt really hard, you can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. You know, my journey through Christianity was the journey of slowly dialing down the supernatural, slowly dialing down the crazy until there was nothing left. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Yeah, I got home, uh, felt an immense pressure to get married, but also wanted to. You know, I, I felt like all the all the chips were falling where they should. She'd waited. I'd served an honorable mission. One day this is all going to make sense to me and I won't have this nagging doubt that's going on in me. So how much of that – and I know it's a, it's a base and childish 
caricature, I'm sure, of many return missionaries and LDS people that it's the drive to get married is the drive to have sex. Yeah. Um, again, in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see that now. At the time, I, I think I would have sincerely said, no, that isn't what I'm in it for. Yeah. I can easily look back now and say, yeah, that was a, that was a big factor because of course, of course you're interested in that. And it's the only way you feel it's, like you're going to be able to do it without going yeah. to hell or, yeah, yeah. or ruining it, your whole life or disappointing your family and everything else, you know, and your community. Making baby yeah. Jesus cry. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so we, we were married, uh, oh God, six months after I got home. Wow. So, yeah. I was You married. waited a long time. I know. Yeah. Well, she waited two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get uh, married in the temple then? Yeah. Yeah. We got married in the uh, uh, Salt Lake Temple downtown. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'd already been through the temple. That's something we should also probably touch on how, how fun that is the first time you go through. I, I don't know if either of you. I, no, I, I was never LDS. Okay. I wasn't sure on that. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. No, um, I, I left the church. Well, I would say that I was never really a big part of the church. You know, my, my dad at the time quit smoking just long enough to be able to baptize me. You know, like we would go to church most Sundays. I don't, I don't, and I don't remember a whole lot because it was, you know, I was so young, but I remember going to church fairly regularly. I don't remember if both of my parents were there or if it was just, you know, me and my sister and my mom. Um, but I know my dad had to quit smoking long enough to be able to, to be, to baptize me. But then, you know, shortly after I was baptized, my parents split and then got divorced. So, and, when they were going through a lot of their marital problems, my the bishop lived right next door to us. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, you know, telling me about it later, said that uh, when they were having all of these marital problems and my dad was, you know, really emotionally and verbally abusive and physically abusive to me and my sister and, like, would destroy shit around the house when they got in arguments and everything, you know, mm-hmm. typical white LDS man whose authority is being questioned and so he did end up smashing shit around the house (laughs) Um, that my mom went and talked to the bishop about it and the bishop told her that she just needed to be more submissive Uh. and and do whatever my father said because it was Satan trying to split our family apart sure yeah well and that's that's part of what the temple teaches women I mean not quite in those words but i mean essentially that's the a little of the, one of the more vows. subtle slightly more subtle not yeah not even terribly <laughs> more subtle but yeah basically the, the woman is supposed to i think they changed that in in 90 just before i went through and they softened it a little bit um but it used to say that the uh the woman was to submit to their husband period and then they added uh in righteousness, essentially, okay. in 1990. Yeah. I also missed the blood oaths by just about six months. Oh, eh, damn I know, it. I know. <laughs> you pay the good money and you, you – my dad warned me about it. And my parents, um, uh, on the other hand, were – I'd never heard fight my entire life. Never raised their voices at each other. Um, at me a few times for sure. But, uh, <laughs> um the one time I ever heard them fight was the day I was getting ready to go to the temple um, for my own endowments. And my dad kind of pulled me aside in the hallway in our home. And he's like, you know, hey, I, I don't want to 
I don't want to freak you out and I don't want to scare you, but there's some stuff that goes on in the temple that's a little bit weird. And I just want to prepare you for that. <laughs> and my mom, I remember her jumping out of the bathroom as she's getting ready and just like, you know, she called my dad stock, you know, stock, you shut up. You know, what are you putting this stuff in his head? <laughs> really kind of <laughs> oh, tore into true. him. And so I'm sitting there like, what the hell is going to happen in the temple? <laughs> and, um, my dad didn't realize at that point that they had taken out the, uh, the disemboweling and the slow sledding your throat ear to ear. Mm-hmm. I, th- I believe they took that out in April of 90 and I went through in October of 90. So mm. yeah, just, just missed the fun stuff. There. Yeah. <laughs> it's still plenty weird. Uh, it's not as weird but as people hope, but it's, uh, the, the church doesn't change. It's always been the same. Right. Yeah. God's eternal unchanging love. Yeah. 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 This temple ceremony that's never mentioned in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> yeah, but it's essential for your salvation. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, went through the temple, and now I'm really jumping around because now we're right back pre-mission. But uh, I, that was an odd experience, though, to, to look around at otherwise – you know, fairly normal people that you grew up with in your neighborhood, all the adults. Of course, none of my peers were there because I'm just beginning this this part of a Mormon life. And so it's all the adults you've grown up with and they're all standing around wearing these, um, you know, to, to your mind at that point, really bizarre kind of cult-like <laughs> yeah. clothing. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's where I've always said, like, when you get to that point of the church, I'm like, how do you not scream – this is a cult. All right, fucking I'm out. a fucking cult. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how cults work. <laughs> you know, they ease you into that shit. I mean, and yeah. then, um, they, they, if, and that's if, why there's temple prep classes and everything. I think they, and you're, you're doing invasive interviews with a, uh, with a bishop. And in my case, and in people that grow up LDS, your entire life. I mean, you're oh, groomed, yeah. you're groomed from literally from the, uh, from the cradle that this is how it goes, you know, and from, from your earliest memories, you're going to sit down with a with a relative stranger to discuss incredibly private parts of yeah. your life. And so uh, um, there's a really great book that I, I read, and God, I am jumping around a lot, but the uh, <laughs> Combating Cult Mind Control by Stephen Hassan. Um, I read that when I was still Mormon, and I think just before I read Sagan. And uh, he doesn't mention Mormons once. He's actually writing about the Moonies. Um, okay. But the the similarities were so um, incredible to me when I read that book. I just thought, wow, this is this is what I've gone through, um, especially on the mission where you're you're with another member of the church twenty four seven. They're telling you what underwear you wear. They're uh, telling you what media you can and cannot listen to. Uh, your whole your whole day, every single day, is scheduled. Uh, every 15 minutes is blocked out. You're, you're controlled. Yeah, absolutely. Limiting controlled. your contact with the outside yeah, world. Yeah. Not even with the outside world in general, but even with your, your own family, family and right. friends. You call, and your, call your mom on Mother's Day and call your family on Christmas were the rules when I went. Yeah. yeah you could write letters uh, weekly, uh, weekly letters. And then keep in mind, most people, in, in my case, their families were in it too. So everybody's yeah. playing the game together. <laughs> and it's hard, <laughs> hard to see through that. So, um, Interesting note, my, my mission president, one of the few radio shows we were allowed to listen to was Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> ah, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a wonder that I came out of this, uh, <laughs> kind of a socialist leftist <laughs> prick, you know, <laughs> so I was indoctrinated back in 1992 well. <laughs> with Limbaugh back when yeah. he was still kind of fun to listen to. Now he's just a bloated windbag, but, uh, yeah. Back when every now and then you could go, he, he's making yeah. a decent point <laughs> yeah. there. Do you remember, you guys might be too young. Do you remember Bo, Bo Gritz? Bo Gritz? I'm sure. Uh, Bo I'm sure I'm, I'm only 33. So Bo Gritz. I'm sure Ryan's too young. I, yeah. I think there's only, I'm 43. You're I'm what? 45. 45. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So Bo Greitz, he was a he was basically um, I'm trying to think of a current 
uh, aspiring presidential candidate I would compare him to, but you know, extremely far right, gonna gonna save the constitution that's hanging by a string. You know that Mormon thing, hanging by a thread, hanging yeah. by a thread. Yeah. yeah, he came and he was allowed to speak to us as missionaries uh, as well. So yeah, like a, <laughs> pretty like interesting. Glenn Beck, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, pre Glenn Beck, but that type of that type rhetoric, of rhetoric, yeah. yeah. I guess I was trying to lead up to how the, the mission actually helped because it, it got me to take it very seriously. I studied and I, I'm falling back on some of the experiences I had that affected me. But at the same time, I, I didn't, I didn't have the, uh, the fortitude to, to say like, they're wrong. It's not me. And that, that's what I give Sagan credit for, for sure was, um, I'd been studying and studying and really having questions, talking to everybody I could within the church, you know, taking the proper, Proper channels, talking to stake presidents. I was the elders quorum, um, first president. Uh, like, oh, it's been so long. I don't. Even, I think that I think this weekend is conference weekend, and I'm, prou- I'm proud that I hardly can remember anymore. It is this weekend, and I, the actually the only reason that I know that it is general conference weekend is because the Utah chapter of the Satanic yeah. Temple yeah. is doing something at the library, and part of that. their part yeah. of the whole thing is you know. Hey, instead of having to deal with general conference, you can come and hear a bunch of Satanists yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs> and living downtown, the only way I know is suddenly the tracks trains are full of people with white shirts and ties. And <laughs> yeah. It always takes me about an hour. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, what the yeah, fuck is going on? <laughs> and, and South Temple has got like people walking all yeah. over the place. Like, ah, yeah. I'm going to want to avoid the corn. <laughs> avoid that area if you're living downtown. Yeah. I try to get over to the Harmons and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, I, yeah, I got home, uh, you know, talking, talking to folks. I was married at this point, I'd been married in the temple and there's an additional layer of pressure. You know, now I'm, I've, uh, eternally committed myself to this woman that, that really, really believes in the church. And I made this commitment to her and I'm big on that. I'm big on commitment. I still am. Um, and it, well, it, yeah, cause then it's not just you that your choices right. are affecting, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's your partner, somebody that yeah. you've promised to be with that, Right. Whatever you do is also going to reflect and affect their lives. Right. And, and in that community, especially back then, it was, it felt like it was just going to destroy my life if I left the church. I mean, I'm, I, I was convinced if I, if I left, I'm, I, for sure, I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to, my family's going to disown me. I'm going to have no friends in the community. I'm going to be left alone. Was that what kept me in? No. I, I, I personally just kept thinking there's something to this and I'll eventually, I'm going to get it. And after, uh, I think it was maybe five years of, <laughs> of being married. <laughs> no, 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 that's not right. Uh, maybe two and a half years of marriage um, is when I, I somehow, I, I wish I remembered it's such an important part of my life, but I somehow somebody turned me on to Carl Sagan and it might've just been a TV show and realizing yeah. he had the book and then going to check it out and see the, I, I read see a the rerun of the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. But I remember as a kid also watching nature shows, my parents, that's what we did on Sundays mm-hmm. is watch KUED and watch, you know, the animal kingdom shows and, and we loved the nature shows yeah. and, and loved the science shows and everything. My dad is a scientist by trade. Um, which in hindsight always boggled me how, how you ever <laughs> did this, but I'll get to that eventually. He's left the church now as well. <laughs> Um, but I used to have to do the mental gymnastics. Well, you know, wait a minute. If, if the dinosaurs and things were real, then how can, how can what they're teaching me at church be real? Or if, you know, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. But anyway, Red Sagan. And like we said earlier, he, he had such a gentle way about him to, to, didn't, he didn't make me feel threatened and made me feel like I was okay. And, and really he laid out the arguments in such a way that it was like, 
yeah, really comfortable with like, no, that, that is right. Like I'm, I'm not a crazy person. I'm not evil. That's how you think about things, you know? If, yeah. Uh, well, the, the one story in that book that really sticks out in my mind is the invisible dragon in his garage. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me was the perfect analogy for how people think about the God that they believe in. Yeah. You know, it's any time that there's a question that comes up where you could possibly disprove what they're saying, they just move the goalpost and say, oh, no, well, you know, my my invisible dragon is in, is in you know, the dragon in my garage is invisible, so you can't see him. Right. Okay, well, can Put I touch him? <laughs> yeah, can yeah. I touch him? Well, no, it's, it's in corp, you know, it's incorporeal, so you can't really touch it. Well, does it breathe fire? Well, sure. Well, you know, well, can it start a fire? Well, no, it doesn't really give off heat. It's a, it's a heatless <laughs> flame, you know, it, like every, every possible question that you can come up with, they have some way of explaining it away. And I was right. like, that's perfect analogy for how people think about the God that they believe in. Yeah. That might be all people need then. Maybe we should just print that up in a pamphlet and hand it out. <laughs> that's, that really was the, the catalyst for me too, was yeah. when he, when he makes the point that, you know, a dragon that I can't in any way prove is no better than not having a dragon at all. Right. And and that's, you know, then you realize that the same concept applies to God and in religion. It's, it's that simple. You know, if I, yeah, there are, there are times, I think for everybody, you know, that you, you have your moments of like, you know, like when my daughter was born, people said, oh, that's going to convert you back. I was already atheist at that point, but. You know, that you're going to know God is real when that yeah. happens. <laughs> no. and I'll, I'll hand it to him. It's, it's incredibly emotional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but that does not imply a God. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I cried like a baby. I cried for a week and and definitely had feelings I'd never had before. But luckily I had uh, – I wouldn't say prepared myself for that, but I'd, I'd gotten far enough along in my – in my reading and, and once I, once I, once I realized, you know, Sagan helped me realize that's the church is the problem, not you. I really, I had a Sunday afternoon. I was getting ready to go to church, um, was a counselor in the first presidency of the elders quorum in the ward I was in. And I'm standing there putting on my tie in the mirror, looking at myself. And I, and I remember looking myself in the eye and saying, you don't believe this stuff. And, uh, I took my tie off, took off my shirt put on shorts and a t-shirt, went and got on my mountain bike and rode around all afternoon, you know, had a great afternoon. I've, I've honestly never looked back. I've, well. I was done. <laughs> it took him about three weeks to come find out what had happened to me, <laughs> which was funny because I was a very active member, yeah. you know, part of the leadership team. You figure you would have gotten a call at home that yeah, night. Right. Not... Were you sick? What happened? Yeah. And yeah. No, nothing. Then they, then they came over and I'll, I'll never forget the guy uh, <laughs> saying, uh, you know, we came to find out, you know, why you haven't been to church and we just wanted to make sure that, that nobody had offended you. And uh, I said, well, you just did. <laughs> I said, if you think I would leave my religion because somebody offended me, that's offensive. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not that type of person. And, and then I, I brought out glasses of water and set them down for the two guys that had come to visit me and said, go ahead and enjoy those. One of them's poison, but in the New Testament, it says that true uh, disciples of Christ can drink poison and survive. So that should be no problem. <laughs> and they had this uncomfortable moment of like, is he serious? <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I uh, – they they tried for a little bit. They uh, they don't like when you have intelligent arguments back, though. That's the one sure way to get the, oh, yeah. the religious to leave you alone is to. Well, to I think most of the time they've never been confronted with any right. with any yeah. intelligent arguments. They are, they've lived their entire lives in this religious bubble and have had nobody. I mean, if they had intelligent arguments presented to them more often, they probably wouldn't still be in the religion, right? right. So. Mm -hmm. 
the first time they face them, it's, oh my God, what, what do I do? I have to run away now. (laughs) I have no answer for these things. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So, uh, left, um, my, my ex-wife and I stayed married for a few years, um, until my daughter was born. And then that kind of, that kind of pushed things, you know, we were okay kind of cohabitating. She didn't love that I wasn't active in the church or actually wasn't not only not active, but I considered myself non-Mormon. Yeah. Although that took me surprisingly long time to get around to officially doing, but, um, uh, then when my daughter was born, then those issues like baby blessings come up and baptisms and, you know, how are we going to raise the kids? And, and then, you know, I kept telling her, well, I'm not going to lie to my daughter. I'm not mm-hmm. going to, I'm not going to teach her stuff that I know is blatantly false. Um, I don't want her to grow up being a racist with the Book of Mormon teaching <laughs> that, that skins of darkness are a sign of displeasure of yeah. God, no matter how you slice that. Yeah. No matter. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no way to put a, to put a nice, well, right. not only racist, but the, it's, it, the book is sexist. Yeah. 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 It's uh, all around a pretty horrible book. <laughs> yeah. And boring on top of it all. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 well, that day I, I left the church. Then we, we got divorced. I, d- I really didn't do anything that they, they, they think or that they tell you Mormons are, or ex Mormons are going to do when they leave the church. I, it took me a few years to even have a beer. Um, you, didn't, you didn't start slamming heroin right away. No, no, didn't do that. Uh-huh. Didn't cheat on my wife. Uh, didn't, uh, didn't start drinking or smoking. Right away, I ended up doing that. But I, <laughs> that wasn't why I left. I, I really had zero desire for that type of thing. You didn't um, leave just to sin, right? Yeah, I left because of intellectual honesty. Um, yeah, and I was—I really, in hindsight, I lucked out. My my parents, I, who I thought were going to be mortified and and uh, disown me, um, I I remember telling them my my uh, my younger brother was about to be married in the temple, and I wanted them to understand why I wasn't going to be there without assuming I'd committed adultery or whatever myriad of other sins I might have committed. Well, so, so I, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but at this, at this point, I'm guessing your parents were aware that you weren't attending church regularly and everything. Did they they just not, was it something that they avoided talking to you about or? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it was all, it all happened relatively fast. So I think it hadn't quite sunk into them. And, you know, obviously I was married and doing my own thing. I think they just assumed I was going to church mm-hmm. every week and I, and I was too chicken shit to, to bring it up and tell them. Yeah. But there were probably some signs that they were like, okay, something's going on with him. But I, I pulled them aside one Sunday at a family dinner and I just said, Hey, you know, I want to let you guys know I'm not going to be going to the temple. I'm not going to be going to any church functions anymore. And I also want you to know it isn't because I'm a sinner. I just, you know, the church doesn't work for me mentally. And my mom cried, but she wasn't hysterical. She just had a few tears and she gave me a hug and said, you know, we, we know you're a good person and we love you no matter what. And my dad kind of said the same thing. And, uh, so that was incredibly lucky. And then a few weeks later, my, my dad and I were going fishing and, you know, five in the morning driving down to a lake and just keep in mind, this is my dad that raised me LVS. Yep. He physically forced me to go to church a handful of times. <laughs> like, you know, picked me up, dragged me out to the van. Uh, and he, you know, just kind of out of the blue while we're driving, just tells me, you know, I've, I've always thought the church was horseshit too, basically. <laughs> like I, I just went along to keep your mom happy. You know, the, yeah. you know, he brought up That's... some of his doctrinal issues that hadn't, had bothered him since his mission, but he, for what, you know, I've never really gotten too deep with him. I don't, I don't know Had he what. just put him on a shelf? Yeah. I think he put him on a shelf. And I, I don't mean to say, I've, my dad's a great guy. And, yeah. But yeah, he, once he came out, 
he came out strong too. And within a month, he wasn't, you know, wearing the garments and wasn't going to church. He missed his daughter's wedding because he was suddenly not worthy because he wouldn't go to a temple, recommend interview and tell him that he thought, you know, Joseph Smith was the, was the true prophet and restored the true gospel. Yeah. And he was, he was pretty upset. I remember at her wedding watching people that we all knew were even by their own standards, less worthy than him. That were allowed to go watch his daughter be married in the temple, while he was excluded because he simply um, was honest. Had, yeah, had the integrity yeah. to say I disagree with this. But he wasn't smoking. He wasn't drinking. Uh, you know, to my knowledge, wasn't cheating on my mom. Great dad, not abusive. You know, intelligent guy. Took great care of his family and is left sitting out within the flowers with us other heathens while my <laughs> sister got married. <laughs> Yeah, so, so do you look at it as when you made that decision that you gave your father possibly the strength to finally say, I'm in the same boat or. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I definitely, I don't want to, I don't want to take all kinds of credit, but I think that's the case in my family is I, I kind of took that plunge and then everyone mm-hmm. realized, oh, I'm, I'm not going to die and be turned to a pillar of salt immediately. You know, yeah. I'm going to be okay. And so my, my. My brother that's just younger than me, he's has stayed in the church, um, although it's superficial. <laughs> he probably wouldn't appreciate me saying that, but I, I know that. And uh, he's a little like my dad was, you know. He, but if you get him one on one, he'll he'll talk to you about it. And be like, eh, I don't know about it, but doesn't want to. Don't want to rock the boat, yeah, like it. No right. skin off my nose, kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah. going to keep the wife and the in laws happy and. You know, I don't need to stir up my family. And I, I can, I don't know if I can respect that, but I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and my younger brother, he, uh, he, he was kind of the, the real rebel and, but he had always maintained that he did believe in it and would one day come back around. And then he finally had the courage to just be like, yeah, no, I'm not into this. Then one of my sisters left. And then my other sister to this day is, seems to be pretty, um, uh, pretty devout Mormon. So her and my mom and my, my one faker brother are Mormon. And then <laughs> my other sister, my brother and myself and my dad are out of the church. So we're almost a 50, 50 split. Wow. <laughs> how, how does that work for uh Christmas? <laughs> um, at this point, the, the, the religious in my family, um, pretty much don't bring it up. They don't. Uh, yeah. We had a few interesting things when, when I was young, uh, fresh coming out of the church might be a better way to put it. I mean, my little sister, <laughs> this might be a funny. I thought it was funny. She, <laughs> we're sitting at a family dinner, and, and there. I don't know if if you'd remember this from your upbringing in the church, but people would argue about who has to say the prayer, you know, over over the meal. So there'd be this like, you know, I said it last time. Uh, why do you say it? Uh, yeah, I, you would think everybody would want to do well, it, yeah, right? but you, instead it's oh, fighting about who I, has to I talk to their benevolent time. God. Yeah. <laughs> and so I made that point. You know, I said, well, you know, if if everyone loves God so much, why is it a fight to talk to him? Like somebody do it. I'm hungry. <laughs> and my sister burned, burst into tears, run down the hall. Oh you know? man! And so we had a few of those moments, and I, I I really feel like we're lucky in a way that we've come down to our. I don't know. It's just, it's almost a non-issue for us now. Yeah. No one, no one tries to push a prayer and I don't feel like they feel like they're missing out on anything. I think we're, I love it. I mean, my, my conversations with my family for, with my parents in particular for a while were, they were really guarded and, you know, how's the weather? How's your job? Nothing really personal. Kind of strained and yeah. And as soon on as, edge as, soon as and... we were all out and open about how we felt, now we are who we are. You yeah. Know? Um, and that, to me, it feels better and it, it oh, yeah. feels like it feels better to them. I certainly, with my dad, I know it does. And I feel like it does with my mom and my sisters. And 
brothers. And well, it always feels better to be more honest and just be yourself and not to pretend you're something yeah. you're not the whole time. Yeah. Big lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad it took me 23, 24 years. But. This is Danielle Moscato, civil rights activist, trans woman, extraordinaire, and public speaker. You are listening to Godless Revolution, and I hope you enjoy the show. We're going to take it. And we're going to take it hard, and we're going to take it strong, and I will work with overwhelming force. Everything in the butt. Hey. So if, if the person you're contemplating voting for believes all that, believes that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri, <laughs> believes that Native Americans are the lost ten tribes of Israel, believes that Jesus visited North America, I mean, these beliefs are barking mad. You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. I'm always really curious about LDS women who remain in the church, even doubly so when their when their husband has left the church, because I mean, you know, according to LDS teaching, that the husband is the one who has to attain the celestial kingdom, and then he can choose to call his wife to his side once he's there. Right. And so, you know, female adherents of the LDS faith can't reach the highest level of heaven by themselves. So how, do, how does your mom square that, or do you think she thinks about it very much, or does it, does it, does it, does it bother her? Or? I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't think that she thinks about it much. Um I, have to, I want to be a little careful and not say too much for her. My impression is that she, her intellectually, I think she understands that the church isn't technically true. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that she, I think she views it as a good social club, um, mm-hmm. and that it's you know good for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, all of her friends are in relief society, things like that. Um, I honestly think that for her, it's more of that. And then she she goes to the temple and she goes to church every Sunday and holds callings and all of those things. But I, I don't think that intellectually she actually believes it's literally true. I think she's like a, how I view a lot of Catholics. They're, eh, they're Catholic because, yeah. you know, that's what my family is. But they, Socially they, Catholic yeah. more than anything. What I wonder too if they uh, – and, and I would I would imagine that a lot of people fall into this category that they just figure their God is good and loving and forgiving and – if that's the case, then certainly it will all just work out somehow, right? It'll it'll all eventually work itself out, it'll, right. and it'll be fine. Yeah, my my ex wife was certainly that way. Uh, when we would, when I was still married to her and, and had left the church, we'd you know be up at night and I'd be trying to discuss with her my concerns, and she would always that was her always the and answer her. So I just believe that when I die, I'll I'll be made to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe when I die, God will make this all clear to me, and that could never satisfy me. I'm like, well, I kind of make sense now. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, and you, you do, I, I got to a point where I realized I, I can't worship a God that, uh, that wouldn't respect me for being honest and, and, you know, yeah. making the step. I, I'll be proudly resistant of a God uh, such as the one depicted in the Bible and Book of Mormon. I'd rather be a freedom fighter. I'd rather be, you you'd know, rather I, be Korahor. Yeah. I'd rather be in opposition to that God for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, so um, yeah, but I mean that that's pretty common in religion. Is like I don't want to get too deep, like like you said, they they believe that God is benevolent, 
when I die, it's just going to sort itself out and I'll be okay. And, uh, keep wanting to say that that's fine, but uh, technically it's not, but, (laughs) (laughs) but everyone can do what they want to do. (laughs) Just keeps us in a lot of shit. If everyone would just, you know, as you said, right, if they'd just be honest, we'd all be in a, a lot better spot. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably spent plenty of time, like I have fantasizing how the, how much cooler the world could be without, without the Abrahamic religions in particular, how much further that's, ahead we could be as a society and that, scientifically. That's, and that's where I love that episode of, uh, uh, the cartoon with the dog and the baby. I just forgot the name of the cartoon. Family Guy? Family, Family Guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> cartoon with the dog and the baby. Well, oh, it, was, right. it, was, it was an episode where, where Stewie's got his time machine and him and the dog like go into the future. They go to a different time zone and like, where are we now? And Stewie's like, well, this is the future where God doesn't exist. So we've advanced <laughs> significantly in, in society and there's flying cars and people going through the tubes and everybody's happy and everything looks all cool. And like, yeah, yeah. there's no fighting over god and technology and like we're talking about earlier with the stem cell research right imagine there wasn't when uh bush had the basically probably a little bit of religious objection to doing stem cell research not a little bit of religious it was that's 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 pretty much the reason yeah but if you would have had that i mean that was 16 years ago Mm -hmm. close to Mm mm-hmm I mean, in those 16 years of stem cell research, imagine the amount of cures we could have found or advances we could have in, right. in saving people that we don't have now because we've lost 16 years of research on it. Yeah. Think about the, the great minds down in, you know, back in the dark ages that were burned at the stake yeah. or so terrified to say what they had learned that we don't even know about. You know, we had the brave ones that did it and some were thankful for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> That's that's a lot. I I wonder what I would do. I, I like to think I'd stand up, but boy, when you're faced with uh, you know, getting your ass kicked or being burned at the stake, yeah, I might convert pretty quick. Again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hope I wouldn't, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you you, you like to think that you would be able to stand on principle and just be like, man. look, man, it, it, if my life is worth anything, it's worth being honest with myself and everybody else around me. Right. And if if a god does exist, then that God would respect me for holding that position. Yeah, and okay. so should you right. as somebody who believes in a God who is kind and just and all knowing. Right. And if you can't see that, then oh. sure, go ahead and burn me at the stake. And then <laughs> your God will be pissed at you for doing that. Yeah. It's uh, my, my crazy Christian friend on Facebook. He had posted a thing with, uh, scientists who are Roman Catholic. <laughs> Galileo was on there. Uh huh. <laughs> sure. I'm like, I felt like typing in there, like you know, he only said he was Catholic, and then they killed him because he fucking wasn't, because <laughs> yeah. he was defying the church. Then yeah. they made him confess and and become Catholic, and they're like, all right, thanks for doing that. We're still gonna kill you. Yeah. yeah how did that work out for Galileo? It didn't. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, I keep waiting to wake up from this weird dream where, you know. Religion rules the world, and Trump is president. And, I still yeah. president President Donald Trump. Those are still three words that I have a hard yeah. time squaring in my mind as it's, it's, reality. It still feels like a bad eighties movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> I I gonna probably take some shit for saying this out loud, but I openly wept when he won. Uh, I remember hugging. I was son. very close. Yeah, I yeah. just. I stood there in the kitchen and just cried and told my son, like, 
I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with the world, but holy shit. Like, and I told him, you know, come and watch this. You know, he's 15. So he's just kind of like, whatever, dad. And yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, this is history. Whatever's going on right now is super fucking This bad. is when we and get you fucked. can say like, oh, the liberal snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not, you know, Dan probably knows well enough. I wasn't exactly a, a Hillary cheerleader. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I voted for her, but, uh, at the end of the day, but I, I had my problems with her too. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't so much about Republican or Democrat or liberal conservative. It was having watched Trump throughout the, uh, it was, it was trying to stop a monster from becoming yeah. president. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was and, insane. And I, I'm the type of person that I always will try to give somebody, like I've listened to Alex Jones fucking show. I mean, I even give that crazy bastard. <laughs> yeah. a try. So, and I, I listened to a few. Hey, uh, hey I'm not uh, crazy. You just don't understand. <laughs> what are you, a globalist? Yeah. <laughs> Vampires. But I watched a few Trump rallies and you'd realize he isn't saying anything. No. Nothing at all. Just we're going to win. We're win, win, win. Yeah. American win nationalism. What? Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Just, yeah. Um, back to the religion thing, you know, I'm just, the same thing. I, I look at the world and I'm like, how are we still doing this shit? You know, how, how just, how it's do been 2000 fucking years, <laughs> yeah. man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> of course, you know, they're the, uh, the happy stoner in me says, we gotta, we gotta step back and look at this from a, from an evolutionary pers- perspective and realize that our lifetimes are, are such a, blur. Oh, yeah. and we are in an incredible exponential arc towards, uh, better times. I hope. Yeah. yeah. It feels like right now we might be getting the it's, stool kicked out from under us a little bit, but I think the big picture, we're still heading in the right direction. You know, Trump will be a, in the bigger picture, he's going to be a blip on the radar. True. I hope. <laughs> but but it, it's always easier to dump a gallon of oil on the floor than it is to clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that with his environmental things, that if he wants to, you know, deregulate stuff and get rid of stuff, Mike, even though the impact, it'll happen quick. Uh, the longer lasting impact of having to reverse the effects of what he yeah. might enact. Yeah. Excellent point. I, I think I'm, I, I worry about like social issues. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's more where my mind was when I say that is there's things he's going to do, but I think the arc is, is towards the better. Um, oh, definitely. I, yeah. I hope so. It, it gets discouraging. I mean, I, I definitely have my moments of, of like, yeah, what what the fuck? Two thousand years and we're still doing this shit and we're still cutting off our babies' genitals and you know, we're still dunking kids and what the fuck? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we, yeah, ridiculous superstitious up. nonsense. <laughs> yeah. that- and I I as objective as I can be, I've never heard a, a satisfying religious argument anymore. You know, they they have to they have to take advantage of you one way or the other intellectually. Um, we were trained to do that as missionaries. It didn't feel like that when you're doing it. They, they couch it in a way that it's like, you know, here are people that need the gospel more than anybody. You're yeah. there to help people. You're, here, you're there to help them. So right. why don't you not take the, advantage the of, local the, of the newspaper. people who are down then, on their luck. But then again, they didn't know they needed help until you showed up. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, uh, we were absolutely encouraged to um, scan local newspapers. Um, we weren't allowed to read the newspaper other than the obituaries uh, and the birth announcements to know. So going after the weakest or the right, people, people who are, who are in huge changes in life. Yeah. Um, so here, I got a new baby. I'm kind of left wondering, well, what the fuck is this all about? You're yeah. very emotional. You're yeah. Every you know, time, I mean, to this day, yeah. every every conversation I have with missionaries ends with. 
Okay, well, do you know of anybody in the neighborhood who's going through some hard times who, <laughs> yeah. who may need, who may be in need of some counseling and blah, blah, blah? Like, sure, but there's no fucking way I'm sending you over to their <laughs> right. house. <laughs> yeah. And in hindsight, God, you know, I'm embarrassed again that I, that I did that. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the, the arrogance that comes along with being a 19, 20 year old kid that has the, the audacity to go out. And knock on people's doors and tell them that you, you have the you know, answer. I have not only the answers, but you know, like the answers. Yeah. Like I yeah. know about how the universe is working. I can tell you all about this. And, uh, you know, like, like I said, here I am, a, a white kid from West Jordan, Utah that has with the keys I've to never, eternity. I've never really traveled. I have no idea about the rest of the world. At that point in my life, uh, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that anything about Buddhism or, or Hinduism or, or any other or, yeah. religion. I didn't know anything about Bab- Baptists. I didn't know anything about Catholics. I was shocked the first time we knocked on a, on a door and I asked the person <laughs> if they'd heard of the Book of Mormon and they said no. And I didn't, I honestly didn't know how to respond. I was like, <laughs> well, have you been living under a rock? <laughs> That's the way it was yeah. for me yeah. when I came here to Utah and they said, oh, I'm LDS. I'm like, what's LDS? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, they're like, oh, it's Mormon. I've, I've heard of Mormons. Are you a different sect of Mormonism? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran type thing? Like, no, we're we're the same. Like, oh, yeah, why weird. the two I, names? <laughs> interesting to hear. I, I think I think I genuinely do think most Mormons are actually really good people. Um, I really do believe that. Mo- oh, I do most. too. Yeah, I mean, there there's some <laughs> of the nice. Well, in our so last week when we had uh, Yvette the oh, yeah, babe yeah. on uh, during our pre-show interview, she was talking about a friend of hers who's. Family is LDS and she's, and her friend is not, but the rest of her family is. And she's like, Oh no, all of the Mormons I know are some of the nicest and most wrong people you will ever meet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And, and they can, I mean, they'll, they'll bristle if you bring up things like my, my ex mother in law is that way. My son's now, I don't know if I'd call him defiant, but he's, he's openly gay. And I, I wondered how that was going to fly with, with, with the ex family. side of the family. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to their credit, they've, they've handled it way better than I thought they would. Um, they've been pretty accepting, but now he's to the point where he's looking at, at their side of the family and saying, well, wait a minute. And so he, you know, asks some pointed questions and they, they don't handle that very well. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, I guess what I was getting to was with your experience of coming here to Salt Lake and, and experiencing this um, cult, cause that's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's a large, you know, entire valley of a cult. So it doesn't feel yeah. like one anymore, but it, it must be odd to come into it. And, here in oh, Utah yeah. anyway. I mean, yeah. and when you're in it, you don't realize how arrogant you are because well, even, it's just how everybody does this. Yeah. So. Just, just yeah. going out the first time someone asked me what ward I belong to. Right. And the only time I ever heard of wards before was in Louisiana. I'm like, I know Louisiana has wards. Right. I'm like, you guys have, I'm like, what do you, t-? I'm like, I live in, <laughs> I live on base. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, 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 it's Taylor Air Force, it's not a ward. It's not like a 12. They're like, oh, you're not LDS, are you? <laughs> right. You're not from here. I'm like, no. You ain't from around these parts. Did you ever get invited to the stake center? <laughs> no, I've never been. Well, in, uh, when, I, when I first bought my house in, in North Ogden, uh, my neighbor would always come over and talk to me all the time. Yeah. Until the day I was out in my yard raking with a beer. Yeah. And he looked at me and 
he hasn't said but two words to me since. Yeah. So maybe I'll take back the nice thing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's, there's some of that, that, they're nice that, that judgmental yeah. stuff right. where- they're, they're nice when they think they can still get you. <laughs> or when they don't realize you're not Mormon. Right. I, I'm about as bad as you can get. I mean, I could be gay and take it up one more notch, I think, but I'm a, <laughs> an atheist, uh, return missionary, divorced, uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Satanic Temple, which is fun. My mom, <gasps> my mom didn't love that one. <laughs> I had to try to explain to her it's not what you're thinking. When my, when I, I my, got my membership card in my pocket. <laughs> my current wife and I were married by my brother, who was a uh, ordained in the you know the Dudist priest. <laughs> yes. and we had some of her her aunt and her uncle were convinced that our our marriage was invalid because of that. <laughs> is he a real preacher? And I was like, That's he's as real as any preacher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah uh, but. Yeah, that's something I've got to think about more. My my Mormons are nice theory. I don't know. They're it's a it's, different kind of nice because I I don't consider yeah. that nice for somebody to question on your wedding day the validity of your of your marriage because they're they not, don't like your religion. And I'll agree yeah. with her on that point. Like, yeah, it's it's not, not really a religion, really but religion. you didn't want to have a religious <laughs> wedding. That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, it's my brother. I love my brother. He loves me. He loves my wife. It's better than a strange priest. Yeah. Oh, mind, yeah. You know, I mean, my, my sister was married by my brother. Right. And at my brother's wedding, he had one of his best friends marry him. Yeah. That's the way it should be. My, <laughs> my first marriage in the, in the Salt Lake Temple was me with a bunch of relative strangers who were the, the members of my ward. Forgive me, you know, standing around the, the adults who I, I really didn't have much to do with growing up. And, and most of my friends weren't considered worthy to be there. All of my siblings were too young to be there and hadn't, you know, gone through the temple. And so it was me, my parents, her parents, her, and then, uh, you know, relatives and ward members, but none of our actual friends and siblings yeah. were there. And, I look back on that now and I'm like, God, what a bizarre wedding experience, you know? And <laughs> and your wife is sitting across an altar from you with a veil over her face. And you know, like a, <laughs> somehow when you're in it, none of this seems quite as bizarre. And then you look back, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of documentaries on cults and yeah. it's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, like, But it's so hard. I mean, it's so hard to realize that when you're in it. I mean, if it's if it's the only thing you know, you have nothing to compare it to. Right. right? And especially growing up in Utah um, um, and in the suburbs of Salt Lake City, um, you know, for sure. I mean, that's just what everybody when, where I grew up was LDS. Mm-hmm. It was the very rare person that wasn't. And they were um, they were definitely, you know, ostracized and. In subtle ways, you know, I, yeah. or not so subtle, but I, I couldn't sleep over at certain friends' houses because their dad was an LDS yeah. and drank beer um, or smoked cigarettes or whatever. And, and you know, for me, I, I kept realizing, God, these guys who the, uh, the parents are so afraid of um, are uh, – are actually really great guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they smoke, they have a beer, but they're actually but they're interesting. Not bad they're bad people. They're, yeah, they're honest with us kids. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and it would always turn out that the the the, the more pious Mormon guys, well, not always, you know, but often were the ones that were child molesters and all the other problems that come mm-hmm. with that. So, yeah, really freaky to look back on. Yeah, yeah, taking advantage well, of their position and yeah, yeah. Yeah, my 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 wife now is, I, I guess, obviously not LDS. I wouldn't make that mistake again. And we <laughs> we talk about that a lot, though. How you know, it's it's kind of bizarre to think that we we both feel like we had really happy, great childhoods. Our parents are wonderful people. Um, you know, all college educated. Um, her dad was a 
um, air traffic controller that just recently uh, retired. So, you know, not a slouch, not, no, a, not yeah. a, a non-intelligent guy, really kind, would do anything in the world for his children, um, has a lot of great hobbies and, and you just don't. I don't remember looking back, you know, we celebrated Christmas, we celebrated birthdays. When I thought of a cult, it was people that were off on some compound doing some yeah. weird th- shit that we were normal Americans for all. Like, I mean, yeah, we didn't drink coffee and beer and smoke cigarettes, but hell, that was just good for you. And that was, yeah. to me, that was like the most peculiar part of it because you really don't grow up, at least I didn't, ever hearing about polygamy. You know, they really did a fine job of hiding thought, that from yeah. us. Oh yeah, nobody nobody in my LDS family talks about polygamy yeah. like that was ever part of the church's history. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we vaguely knew, but it was kind of like, oh, some some people did that. And it was kind of a little I think what did what did Hinkley say it was a little quirk of our history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah fuck you, man. Come on. <laughs> Except for all of your founders yeah. and yeah. little quirk of our history and our eternal life and yeah. right afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. So they they do a, a great job with that. And then, you know, they they change the the doctrine on the blacks and the priesthood. Now they just just we just won't mention that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And and going back to that experience on my mission, that isn't part of the discussions. So how fair is that to teach somebody who's African American about this religion and and we would have baptized this guy. I guarantee we would have taken him all the way to being a member of this church and collected ten percent of his money, everything else, right? Without ever telling him that oh. little quirk of our history. Yeah. That by the way, Prior to 1978, you couldn't have held any leadership position in this church. You know, you and weren't worthy. I look back on that and how shitty and arrogant that yeah. is, and I'm just like, oh, God, what a little monster I was. <laughs> you know, but I, I didn't feel that way. I didn't but, go around well, yeah, thinking I, like I'm a little bastard. But I, in hindsight, yeah, it's like God, it's horrible to do that to somebody. So obviously, he would want to know that before making this decision. And same with women. You know, how could you? The polygamy obviously doesn't come up in the discussion. So. How could you let a woman join this church and then one day be like, oh, and guess what? <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> and we, we still technically do practice polygamy. Yeah. You know? Just not here on earth anymore, right. yeah. really. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but there is a state where the marriage laws are a little looser. Utah. Utah? Home of America's most powerful weirdos? Our lives could be so wonderful there. In Provo, Utah? Why would I go to Utah? I love booze, caffeine, and monogamy. Then that must be it. So how many brides will you be marrying today, Mr. Simpson? Just one. What, are you gay? Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. I, I, I still feel sometimes the church is still segregated because on my street, there's two LDS churches. <laughs> One, if I drive by it on Sunday, has all white people at it. If I drive by the other one, it's all Hispanics. Huh. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe they have, maybe they have a Spanish speaking ward. They, they that would might. Be my suspicion. But yeah. then why have I had them come to my house and ask me if I speak Spanish? Because it's a Spanish-speaking No, because they're looking for people to speak Spanish in the neighborhood. Oh, to whiten up that ward? Or? I don't know. Or to go <laughs> proselytize with them. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I, um, Indiana was in large part a lot like like um, Utah. It's pretty white outside of Indianapolis. Um, Indianapolis is, is, you know, there's a, a pretty substantial black community there. But, um, yeah, out in the suburbs, it was white as, as anything so it just it just was kind of a non-issue as dumb as that might sound it just didn't affect me so yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think about it too much and 
yeah, to go back to that, that to me was the big catalyst of like just learning to be um, empathetic, I guess, and objective and being able to step outside of who you are and say, you know, how would I feel if I were this person? And uh, it's treated me well my whole life now. It's just, it's kind of my whole philosophy. How, you know, <laughs> ironically goes back to the, the golden rule of, of supposedly <laughs> Jesus, right? Like, yeah. Oh, it existed way before yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, don't tell the Christians that though. You'll destroy their whole bubble. Well, they, they they invented morality, so oh right, right, right. They're they're, they're the arbiters of morality. <laughs> there, there was none before them. So so the first marriage ended uh, just after your daughter was born. Was that was it all? I mean, was it was it a religious thing? Was it? Um, yeah, I think primarily. Yeah, um, it it got to a point where we. We just couldn't, we couldn't relate and I couldn't respect her to be frank. And I'm sure she couldn't respect me, mm-hmm. but I, I, I gotten far enough along with, um, uh, reading more and more, uh, philosophy, reading more and more about religion in general. And this is about the period of time where you would have known me, um, mm-hmm. in, in 94. Yeah. We, well, I, I remember when I worked with you that you, you were that must not have been exactly just the in the, in the happiest of marriages. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were both in that in that uh, Mormon upbringing of you you just kind of don't get divorced and mm-hmm. and even though I'd left the church I still had that working in my head and honestly about the time I'd really realized I need to get divorced and get going with my with my real life I came home to ask her for a divorce um after having spent the day with some friends from AT&T actually up at the Snowbird Beer Festival <laughs> I didn't have a beer huh. but I realized how cool and fun it was to hang out with um Sorry, Mormons, but, you know, real people that, <laughs> yeah. that were just honest and having yeah. conversations yeah. about whatever. And it wasn't all about, you know, when you, when you go to a family function, it would be church, 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 church. Yeah, everything, oh. everything revolves yeah. around the church. So-and-so got a calling. So-and-so did this. Yeah. And, you know, and, and yeah, it was just, it was, I really had this epiphany of like, wow, my life could be this way. And I was going to go home and ask for a divorce. And I walked through the door. And it wasn't as if it was just that day, as Dan just mentioned, it, it had been coming. <laughs> yeah. But that was the, the catalyst, like, yeah. hey, I'm going to do this. And I uh, walked in and uh, she said, I, you know, I said, oh, I need to talk to you. And she says, I need to talk to you too. And <laughs> you probably see where this is going, baby. And I'm like, well, you go first. And she says, well, I'm, I'm pregnant. <gasps> yeah. And I was like, bum, boom, boom, boom. And then I was like, well, you can't be the guy that divorces your pregnant, pregnant wife. <laughs> Oh, so, and then she's like, "What did damn, you? Damn, I wish I would have gone first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you want to talk about? Like, oh, the HOA called the change garbage day to Thursday. You know? I, I can't remember what I, mean, I came up with. That but. sounds like a scene out of a movie. It felt like one. <laughs> yeah, it really did. And then we, and then you know, to be honest, when when she when she was pregnant, um, that gave us something to kind of work on together. Yeah, um, it felt good again, and and religion became kind of a. A, a side issue that didn't bother us too much. You know, we talked about it a little bit, but then when, when Madison, my, my Madison, my daughter was born, it was, um, you know, again, a goal we worked on together and we had a few bumps where she got blessed. I was against it, but I, I decided, well, yeah, it's all hogwash anyway. They can yeah. go ahead and do that. I don't, I was blessed and here I am. So yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and <laughs> yeah. work your magic spells <laughs> on my baby. Right. I'm not going to cause a big stink about it. And then, yeah, years went by and then it just became more and more of an issue. And then, and then for her, it probably was really word of wisdom problems because, uh, I, I 
I started drinking beer. I can't even honestly, I drank in high school. So I, you know, I knew a little bit about it, but I yeah. didn't have a big desire to go back and then started drinking a, um, a little bit. I mean, by my standards today, I was a complete saint. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I might have two or two, two, three beers, um, a couple times a week, yeah. you know, maybe. Um, and she hated that, you know, and then my brother and I started home brewing and that was even a, a bigger problem than I, I began working as a brewer and that was an even bigger problem. Um, you're, you're making this, the, yeah, the devil's yeah, juice. Yeah. I'm paying your mortgage with the devil's <laughs> juice. Yeah, so shut up. But, uh, then it got to the point where she, um, you know, it's, it's always hard to say with relationships there. A lot of other things were, were going wrong too. And then she started seeing an LDS family services counselor who advised her to, um, to give me an ultimatum. Uh, which was, uh, I couldn't have any alcohol or alcohol related items in our home. And, uh, there was another stipulation. I, I would have told that lady, fuck you. It's my house. Yeah. That's basically what, <laughs> it's, I, what yeah, I did. It's, it's not about saving your marriage. It's about saving, your saving face for the church, right? And, and following religious teaching right. more than it is actually helping your family. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my ex bought into that. But to be, to be fair to the church and to her, I also had, Intellectually, I'd strayed so far from her because I couldn't, I couldn't respect somebody who could, who could say things like, oh, when I die, I'll understand. Mm. Or who couldn't get their head around how the, the, one of the Book of Mormon's main themes is just blatantly racist. And yeah. it, mm. it can't, it can't help but get in your head. And I think I still struggle with that at this, to this point in my life because it was ingrained from, from when I was born. That, you know, skins of darkness, displeasure from God. Now, I don't believe in God anymore at all, but I, I wonder if I still have some of that residual horse shit that they forced into me for mm -hmm. so long, you know? I think everybody does. Yeah. yeah. And it's I, – I wish I'd never had that. And, yeah. Uh, anyway, we got to the point where I, I just realized I, I – if I had gone on a date with her, even though we'd been married for 11 years at this point, if I'd gone on a date with her that night, I wouldn't have gone on a second date, <laughs> you know? And yet here I am married to you. Yeah. Mm. And that's when I realized I need to get divorced. And then as, as the movie continued, I wanted to get a divorce again. And then her, uh, she, she got pregnant again with my son, uh. um, kind of unexpectedly. And then her father passed away. <laughs> and so that bought me another, <laughs> oh, man, uh, two, two or three years of, you know, not to be too big of a martyr, but you know, being the good guy, I guess, and trying to be there. If we, yeah, how are you gonna? Like, good luck with the two young kids and, <laughs> yeah, and the dead dad. Yeah, sucks to be you. I yeah. really wish I could be here to help you out. But. And um, to her credit, she's actually the one that filed for divorce because okay. I, yeah, after the counselor did that ultimatum uh, or you know told her to do it, and she didn't, and she gave me a week to think about it, and. The week was up and she came to me and I said, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Yeah. Know? And it, it, it's not as if I had, you know, Budweiser posters up around the house. I mean, we're talking about a guy that had a, a six pack of craft beer in the fridge. Yeah. That would last yeah. a month. Yeah. Right. And then started home brewing a little bit. It would go to my, we kept all the shit at my brother's house, did it all in his garage. I'd go over there a couple times a month to, to brew. And then when I started working at squatters, you know, that got a little more complicated, but um yeah. Anyway, thankfully she asked for a divorce and here we are. So, <laughs> but, so you, uh, you came out the other end being the good guy. No, well, <laughs> depends on who you ask. <laughs> I mean, he could have been the bad guy if he, uh, if he gave her the divorce when she had the first child. Sure. Yeah. 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 I wonder if we all would have been better off. Um, you know, you can always second guess yourself, I guess, but, uh, yeah. Uh, who knows? It is, it happened the way it happened. Yeah. And, and 
yeah, her and her family are all, uh, seem to be pretty staunch LDS still. My, my daughter seems kind of indifferent. My son definitely is kind of coming around. He, you know, he's living with me full time now, oh, okay. which, which has been nice. And yeah. So he's, he's coming around. I don't know. I just, you know, and I've kept the same philosophy, just be honest and empathetic yeah. with him. I'm not going to lie to him about things. And we, some might argue we have too honest and open of a relationship <laughs> with him. <laughs> you know? well, that's, I don't think you can though. I really don't. I think you, I think that's the way it should be. I mean, yeah. it's, you shouldn't hide them, hide stuff from them. You should yeah. let them know brutally honest. This is the world. I'm not going to shield yeah. you. Well, and they should know. You're going to discover can, it someday anyways. Yeah. And, and your kids should know that they can come to you for, the truth. Right. Yeah. Or at least the truth as you know it, right? And yeah. if you don't have an answer for them, that you'll you'll be honest with them and say, I don't know, but That's let's another great let's find the, lesson, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's find the answer together. Yeah. 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 So And also just getting to be yourself because who wants to live life miserably as, you know, artificially as faking some sort of life to make someone else happy yeah. where surprising how many people do, do it, it. And I, <laughs> I feel sad for them where the people yeah. are just doing it to make someone else happy it's like uh, you know yeah. you can you can be happy on your own as well and just be honest with yourself yeah. you know it's funny i've heard i've heard stories from multiple couples where they stayed together and stayed faking being uh good good little mormon lds people going through the motions going to church doing all of this and each one of them secretly thinking that it wasn't true but doing it for their partner thinking that their partner was all yeah. in not knowing that their partner had the same doubts and issues yeah. but then as soon as one of them said anything it was like instantly everything falls away and you're like oh my god why didn't we do this yeah. sooner why didn't if if only we had been honest with yeah. each other right. and open yeah right yeah i definitely don't want to out anyone that doesn't want to be outed but i'm i'm constantly surprised by how many people will will tell you in privacy uh you know, yeah, I kind of agree with you. You know, I, oh yeah, church seems like it's horseshit. You know, but I'm going to stick with it because of this, this, and this. And like I said earlier, I, I don't, I can't say that I respect that, but I can understand that. And I'm not going to be the one that's, uh, no, they said the church isn't true. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm constantly surprised by how frequently that well, happens. Um, I wonder how many people are in that situation, and also in the situation where they stay with it because they've already dedicated so much of their life to it. They're like, well. Yeah. I don't want my life to have been a waste, so let's just stick on this path. That and, whole sunk cost fallacy yeah. where yeah. I've spent so much time and money in this, I, and I might as well keep going keep just going. in case. Yeah. I think, um, and not to stroke you guys off too hard, but I think that's why what you're doing is so important. And and me being as much of a loud mouth as I am, I've, I've been, you know, like Dan obviously is, is one example of somebody that I didn't have any idea at the time had any influence on you at all, you know. Huge influence. <laughs> well, had, had zero idea. And and people tell me all the time, oh, why bother? You know, everyone's set in their ways. Why bother arguing? Why bother um, Why bother talking about it? Everyone's got their own way of thinking and they're not going to change. And I say horseshit that people do change. It's not, not often, not as, not as often as you hope, but God, you never know. I've had um, a handful of people now uh, get back in contact with me and be like, Thanks for being open and honest. Yeah. You know? Thanks for just saying it out loud and not being afraid. Um, and at the time, I didn't think I was getting through to anyone. That's how I feel now when I argue politics online. <laughs> you know, probably not getting through to anyone. But you know, but. the other the other big part of that though too is is the realization that for every person that you're talking to, especially online, for every person that you're talking to and that you're arguing with online, 
there are 10 to 100, maybe a thousand people just in the wings watching. watching. Yep. Yeah. You know, they're, they're reading the comments. They're thinking about the arguments back and forth. They're, they're evaluating who is being more intellectually honest, who's yeah. being who's doing more honest overall. Calling. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just who, who is presenting better arguments and who is being honest and open with what they believe versus having to create excuses for the things that they want to believe or have been taught right. their entire life. Yeah. I, I'm sure you get that. Um, like I do too. The, um, people will direct message me and be like, Hey, you know, good job on that argument. Or I really respect how you didn't like lose your shit and call people names or whatever. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I try to do that and this isn't to, to like brag or be boastful. I guess I just would, would want anyone listening to, to realize like it is important. I don't think you have to be in people's faces. I, I am a little bit, you know, I'll, a little bit more than average maybe, but my, my main thing is I, I don't, I don't go on attacking people, but if somebody's saying something and they're being public about it, I have no problem you know, yeah. counteracting that, but I'm right. not, I'm not going to go knocking door to door and be like, Hey, by the way, church, church is horseshit. <laughs> you want to talk but, about that? <laughs> but you're also not going to sugarcoat your response to make them feel right yeah. better about it. You're going to be, I mean, sometimes you just have to be brutally honest yeah. with the person about the way you feel and how you view things. And, yeah. and I think there's a way to do that, uh, to be brutally honest and, and still respectful and, and, and kind. That's hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. It's really tempting to go down that name calling route sometimes. So, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it, you know, but I, I do think it's important that, um, that that marginalize people like atheists and I mean look at look at the gay movement now and, yeah. and where they're at. I'm, I don't I wouldn't say that the the whole battle is won, but I I can't believe how far it's come in my lifetime. And, oh yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I mean shit, I can remember when I was a kid in grade school and it was, oh you faggot this, you faggot that, you're gay, you're no. Like that was a part of my daily life as yeah. a as a young kid. Yeah. And now I ran I, into I a can't kid imagine. we used to taunt on the bus, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. when he and it was weird. It wasn't outright just because he was gay, but it was in high, you know, it was like, no, it was because he was gay. And, and yeah. I ran into him at a bar a couple of years ago and just had to apologize. And it wasn't me alone doing it. It was just the whole crowd on the bus. And I just told him, you know, I oh, got, I feel horrible we're, about that. You know, we were stupid. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we were stupid. And frankly, we were, we were uh, raised in a religion that taught us that you were shitty. I mean, my mission president over the pulpit at his own conference advocated um, physically assaulting gay men. So not just for nothing, wow. but if they flirted with you, mm. you know, or, you know, made any toward a, uh, any sort of advance toward one of the missionaries, then he told us we were well within our rights to, to go, you know, beat the shit out of them. So, wow. Well, I, I got a guy I work with who on Facebook quite often throws out a lot of homophobic slurs. Mm-hmm. So at work, I make it a point to to hug him and rub up on him all the time and, and pretend <laughs> I'm just trying to cuddle with him, and he really doesn't like it. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we were at we had to go to the other fire station. I'm like, oh, is so and so working today? Like, oh no, he's not here. I'm like, fuck, I wanted to go strip naked and take a photo <laughs> on his bed <laughs> and yeah. send it to him. Well, it's 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 tough. Yeah, you know, my my brother, who I love dearly, um, and he loves my son too, but it's so ingrained into him. I don't think he says like gay or faggot as I don't think he thinks of it all the way through to that end. Like that's not what he means. He yeah, it's still insulting. It's still yeah. I'm still learning. You know, to to come to grips with that. My my wife's been great for that with me to help me understand like 
I, I used to be more of the opinion that words didn't really matter. So, you know, I could, I could throw around slurs, whether it was uh, racial or whatever, cause I'm not racist. Right. Mm. Or, um, I love gay people. So I can say that I can say faggot. Yeah. I can say gay and queer or whatever and, and not mean it. Cause I, I don't mean that, but, but and if you know me, you'd know that I don't mean right. it. And now, yeah. now when I hear my, now having a gay, a gay son <laughs> and then hearing my brother, you know, just conversationally like, oh, yeah, that guy was such a fag. You know? and <laughs> I know what he means. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then and now I have to stop me like, hey, Kyle, your nephew's gay, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. not that kind of fag. Yeah. No, and he's, he's doing a great job and I, I think we have to. Uh, you know, have to be sensitive to that, that everybody's on their journey. And, and as long as people are, are trying and not, you know, kicking back about that, I'm guilty of it too. Like I said, I've, I still do it. I mean, my wife still catches me and like, you just, or my, my one right now is to say, uh, retarded, uh-huh. you know, and I'm starting to, to realize how that isn't super cool. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe that makes me well, the, the little snowflake or whatever, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm happy to be a then, snowflake. <laughs> yeah. I did see a video with the guy that had, has Down syndrome. He's on YouTube. He just been in a bunch of movies and stuff. He does right. some comedy things. And it was when a movie was coming, uh, the, the ringer with giant Knoxville was coming oh, out. Okay. Mm-hmm. He got on there and he's like, I don't care if you call me retarded. Cause guess what? I'm fucking retarded. <laughs> Look at me. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm still a little torn on it. It is funny. I know. I, I think yeah. It all, yeah. I mean, it all depends on context. It, I mean, if does. you're, yeah, if, if you're mocking somebody for doing something stupid and calling them retarded, that's, you know, that, that's one thing. And it's something completely different to say, you know, oh, this a is a mental retardation or yeah. whatever. I mean, it right. might not be a correct context i mean it's a very broad term to say but yeah it's i don't know lang- language is slippery and tricky and and i think way too many people aren't charitable in in how they view when somebody says something when somebody misspeaks or they or they say something and they'll instantly jump on them and attack them you know yeah, it's yeah. well you're not you're not being Politically as nice correct. or kind as you should be yeah. and this is harmful because of this this and this and this and you know you can provide a bunch of counter examples to okay well what about this and other scenarios and you know it's it's i don't know life is nuanced and so many people fail to realize all of the nuances and they're far too quick to judge people for things right then I mean, yes, we should try to not be an asshole as much as possible. But if you are, like, be charitable in your views of people. Try sure. to try to understand that everybody's on their own journey, man. Everybody's everybody's trying to do the best they can. Yeah. It's it's the people that when you, you know, when you say, hey, like if you're talking to your brother, hey, Kyle, you know, your your nephew's gay, and he would be, like, yeah, well, I can't stand those faggots. Well, then that's when you should have a problem with <laughs> right. him, right? Yeah, absolutely would too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah, I I blame a lot of that on religion too, though. You know. Oh yeah. Just, <laughs> I blame everything on religion. <laughs> <laughs> everything bad. This is Matt Dillahunty, and you're listening to the Godless Revolution. Just because they're offended by someone being gay, it doesn't mean they're right. You know, it's a strange thing that because that that um, gay being gay is a choice. No, being gay isn't a choice. You know, I want to go. What well, go? Go. You try it then. Mm. If it's a choice, have a go. <laughs> See how much you like it. Okay, we say we came across this murder site. And we're just cleaning it up. Who cleans up murder sites? I don't know. We're Mormons. Mormons don't clean up murder sites. Mormons are helpful. 
Why don't you accept this wonderful offer? <clears throat> Why wouldn't you like to meet Shakespeare, for example? Well, I mean, I don't know if you really think that when you die you can be corporeally reassembled and have conversations with authors from previous epochs. It's not necessary that you believe that in Christian theology, and I have to say it sounds like a complete fairy tale to me. The only reason I want to meet Shakespeare, or might even want to, is because I can meet him any time, because he is immortal in the works he's left behind. If you've read those, meeting the author would almost certainly be a disappointment. But when Socrates was sentenced to death for his philosophical investigations and for blasphemy, for challenging the gods of the city, and he accepted his death, he did say, well, if we are lucky, perhaps I'll be able to hold conversation with other great thinkers and philosophers and doubters too. In other words, that the discussion about what is good, what is beautiful, what is noble, what is pure and what is true could always go on. Why is that important? Why would I like to do that? Because that's the only conversation worth having. And whether it goes on or not after I die, I don't know. But I do know that it's the conversation I want to have while I'm still alive. Which means that to me, the offer of certainty, the offer of complete security, the offer of an impermeable faith that can't give way, is an offer of something not worth having. I want to live my life taking the risk all the time that I don't know anything like enough yet, that I haven't understood enough, that I can't know enough, that I'm always hungrily operating on the, on the margins of, of a potentially great harvest of future knowledge and wisdom. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'd urge you to look at those of you who tell you, those people who tell you at your age that you're dead till you believe as they do. What a terrible thing to be telling to children. And that you can only live. And that you can only live by accepting an absolute authority. Don't think of that as a gift. Think of it as a, think of it as a poison chalice. Push it aside however tempting it is. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty and wisdom will come to you that way. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. So you're working as squatters now as the brewmaster. Yep. What does that entail, actually? Well, um, day to day, I mean, it's uh, deciding which beers we're going to brew at the pub. I don't want to come across like I'm taking credit for all of squatters or, or Wasatch <laughs> for sure. Any of those guys listening, you know, um, but at our pub, it's uh, deciding what beer is going to come on seasonally, uh, ordering ingredients, um, a lot of meetings, uh, employee training, um, ironically, a lot less brewing once you have the title brewmaster. <laughs> um, so I have an assistant who's great. Uh, his name's Connor, a great guy. So if you come there and have a have a really good beer. Ultimately, he's he's probably the one you should pat on the back. I mean, we, we're to the point now we've worked together for five years and we really develop recipes together and have a pretty, pretty good, you know, trusting working relationship in that regard. So, and then, you know, being on the, on the hop rising <laughs> bottle, I get, I get shipped around. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I never thought would come out of, you know, being a brewer. I go on sales trips with the company. Um, I'm now teaching classes for the University of Utah's uh, continuing education program. 
Um, teaching but, classes in brewing or business management um, stuff or what do it's, you? It's, uh, we do a beer, beer pairing. Uh, so it's just like a, a rudimentary education on, on beer and flavor. So I actually just taught that last night and they come in. We, uh, we go over the, the basics of the brewing process, uh, do a tour of the brewery and then we, uh, run through and do tastings of our, of our beers that are on draft and discuss the, the differences in the styles and try to help people understand like the difference between hoppy, malty, uh, bitter, uh, roasty chocolate, you know, and then I'll teach those, that same class next Tuesday. They'll come back in with that knowledge and then we'll, we'll pair the beer with, uh, with different foods and just try to help people understand that beer is better than wine in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it is, I mean, we, we have a lot bigger selection. Yeah. yeah. Beer is insanely uh, diverse. Um, it's another little cliche saying I have is if, if people say they don't like beer, I just say you haven't tried the right one yet. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many different types of beer, you know, Creek Lambic, sweet, tart, cherry flavor to dark, roasty stouts to hoppy, um, pale ales and everything in between. So, I know what my least favorite brand of beer is, but also what style. What What is your least favorite beer? Oh, boy. That's – Like what beer would you rather just – no, thanks. I'm, Honestly, uh, Coors pass. Original. Yeah. I, yeah. I – I understand people like that one, the banquet beer. Yeah. Um, it actually has kind of a cult following for, for my palate. Every time I've tried to drink that stuff, I I just can't get it around. <laughs> um, and I keep trying. I've, I've got brewer friends that I respect that, that love that beer. You know, yeah. They think it's great. And, Coors yeah. has never been a bit of, of the two major brands, Coors and Bud, I'm definitely a Bud guy. Yeah. I started off a Bud guy. I can yeah. still drink Bud and Bud Light. Um, that's my golfing beer. Yeah. My wife drinks PBR. I mean, that's her nightly beer. Um, I can't really drink that anymore. I don't get hangovers unless I drink the shit beer. Yeah. And then the next day I'm just hurting. Yeah. But if I, if I drink beers made with good ingredients, I, I'm fine. I mean, yeah, I can push that too far, but (laughs) in general, I'm fine. (laughs) So So what is your, what is your least favorite style of beer? I don't really have a, a least favorite. It, it's so situational. You're you're asking like least favorite, and it's funny. I most often get asked, "What is your favorite?" Well, that's later. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but no, it's kind of the same answer. Um, it depends. Uh, my least favorite on a hot July afternoon would probably be like you know Russian Imperial Stout or <laughs> yeah. barley wine or uh, or anything kind of warm. You know, like a uh, warm English pub. L. So I you want. so you like all the styles. It's uh, just situation. I, I think and- I can really say I like. Environment circumstances, styles, yeah. yeah. At, at some level. Um, I'm not terribly fond anymore of um, German-style Hef um, that'll have the, the clovey banana kind of flavors mm-hmm, to yeah. it. Um, I, I can understand that. Uh, lately, I'm not too fond of it. Yeah. Um, I used to not be a hop head, ironically. Uh, <laughs> but I, I now love hops. Um, so I, I go through waves, you know, when yeah. I, when I first got into craft beer, I wouldn't drink anything that wasn't you know, super dark. You know, it had to be dark and manly and rich. And, and then I, I went through a phase where, um, I just want to check Pilsners and I still love those. Uh, but yeah, I jump all over the place for me. It's really situational. So, um, people ask what's the best beer you've ever had. Um, Best beer would be Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Um, <laughs> but that that was after finishing a 20-mile mountain bike ride in Moab. Uh-huh. Um, it might be the first beer I had after my mission. I'm pretty okay. sure it was. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was mountain biking with some buddies. Uh, lost my water bottles on the trail. <laughs> 
got back to the truck, all he had in his cooler, um, he opened it up. It was like a commercial, you know, and Miller High Life <laughs> laying there in the ice, crystal cold. Like, we, I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah, I had thrown my mountain bike off to the side of the road and walked the last hundred yards to the truck. I was like staggered <laughs> yeah, to the truck. done with all this shit and saw that and was like, you know, fuck it, give me one of those and cracked it open and yeah, that. You know, cold. Oh my god, yeah, this is the, the best, the best thing beer in the I've world. ever. Had. And then you know, in hindsight, just in slow motion and pouring in waves down your throat. Right. And then I've tasted some English barley wines that have you know just blown my mind. Just so incredibly flavorful. Uh, but yeah, just super situational. Yeah, I mean, cutthroat's hitting the spot right now. I haven't had one in years. So. <laughs> I, I think my my least favorite style of beer. Is any kind of smoked beer? I just I can't do them. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. Those are challenging. I've had some good ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have yet to have a good smoked beer. Like it, it's, it's always just like licking a log. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> licking licking the charred remains of a fire you built the night before is yeah. every smoked beer that I've ever tried. Yeah, and I'm I'm really fond of uh, Belgian uh, sour. And like, oh, I love those. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't. They can't. Oh, those are so good. Yeah. The, the sour, the funk, the, the barnyardy flavors people don't get. I, I love those. I'm pretty equal opportunity beer drinker. <laughs> beer drinker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My, an, an ex girlfriend of mine, uh, her father had a saying that there are only two kinds of beer good beer and very good beer. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said that for years and years. Uh, while I was still young and partying. And then after, after I got out of my really young and partying years, I said, there are three kinds of beer, good beer, very good beer, and Keystone. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> Keystone's, Keystone's the one brand that I just can't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Coors is the only one I've found that I, that I really, well, if you get into like Michelada, I don't, I don't like that stuff. Uh, Bud Light Lime, pretty bad. I don't like Shock yeah. Top. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I could start pulling some out that I, I wouldn't choose to drink if it was the only thing available. <laughs> I'd probably have one. If I was on a deserted <laughs> island and a crate washed up, I suppose yeah. I'd drink it. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I, I love all beer. I mean, I find myself drinking IPA on the on the day to day now, which I I didn't used to. I used to be more of a yeah lager. Uh, Provo Girl Pilsner was mm-hmm. my go to beer for the longest time, and then that's a good beer. Yeah. Was we don't make it anymore. Uh, yeah. Now we have the Squasatch from Squatters, which is meant to replace that one. So it's still you know German style Pilsner Lager. So the Squasatch is that a? I'm guessing that's a portmanteau of Squatters and. You would think so, and, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would make the most sense. Um, no, it's honestly it came out as just the Squatters brand. Um, and they, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Chopper that works there as well, he's the, the face on that one. He's just got kind of, what do they call it? The neared, you know, the neck beard Shave, <laughs> shaves his face, but only grows right. the neck. And, yeah. and I think they were, I think they were trying to come up with like almost a new character, you know, for the, for the, for the label. The yeah. yeah. And so he, you know, he's got that furry kind of look and <laughs> kind of had it, uh, tried to re- play off of, of, uh, the Sasquatch. And I, I don't know why they didn't do that. It would have been better to to sell it as a collaborative between Wasatch and Squatters, which it may as well be. You know, we're we're all one company now. Yeah. So. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, well, tell us a little bit about the history about that. I mean, I mean, I know Squatters and Wasatch were two local breweries here right. in Utah. Yeah. So Squatters, 
um, started in 89 with, uh, Jeff Polychronis and Peter Cole, um, started Squatters Pub downtown. And then, uh, Greg Scherf started the Wasatch Brew Pub in Park City in 87. And, uh, I might get my dates wrong a little bit here, but I, I want to say in about 2000, uh, they, those three came together and formed, uh, the Utah Brewers Cooperative. Um, and that's the brewery on 17th South and third West, the beer store. Mm-hmm. And so the guys there would brew either brand interchangeably. Um, but the ownership of the companies was still, you know, technically separate. So, uh, Greg was in charge of the Wasatch side and Peter and Jeff in charge of the, uh, squatter side. And then I guess it was about five years ago, they brought all that together. And so we're officially one, one company on paper now. Uh, they opted to keep the two brand identities. So I technically work for, um, Salt Lake Brewing Company now. Um, but I, I still identify with the squatter side, I guess, mm-hmm. realistically, just because my whole career has been at the squatters pub downtown. Um, but yeah, love Wasatch beers. I mean, I, I drink, uh, Ghost Rider white IPA. Pretty much every day now. So, oh, yeah. 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 It's one of my go-tos. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Um, I'm trying to think of – I like the full – if I'm doing a, a session beer, yeah. I really like the full suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, That's a, a delicious beer. A classic. Yeah. On, a, on a hot, sunny day. We're really lucky in Utah. I mean, for some reason, we've got a a lot of really great beers. I mean, I live – I live, Which is odd for Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in a way, but then you think about it, and it's uh, whenever you have kind of a it's an oppressive it's the, the counterculture the counterculture, side of it. yeah. Just like we have a pretty good music scene here too. Yeah, um, got a lot of friends in really good heavy metal bands, like can stand up worldwide, and they do. I mean, they tour internationally, and they're from Salt Lake, and you're like, wow. And then you think, like, okay, <laughs> they grew up under the thumb. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, it got in a way, anger. maybe we should send the church a thank you note. Like, thanks for inspiring all the, all the delicious beverages and, and look at all the distilleries popping up. Yeah. Oh, too. yeah. It's just insane. Um, I mean, Ogden's gotten two in the last five years, I yeah. think. I can't, I honestly don't know all of the new breweries that have popped up just in Salt Lake. There's, uh, you know, Fisher just came on, um, Rojas coming on soon, uh, Two Row, uh, Shades of Pell. Uh, proper. And then you had the, the kind of the, the old guard, which is, you know, you went to Red Rock, mm-hmm. Squatters, Wasatch. Um, then Epic came on the scene. No. What, eight, 10 years ago? I, I guess even it's like been, uh, the Moab stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I got some. Yeah. And then you've got, yeah, their, their Moab. Was it brown, this is their brown nut? Nut brown ale. Nut brown. Nut, yeah. nut brown ale. Yeah. That's what I usually yeah. like from them. Yeah. Moab's great. But yeah. Um, really thriving beer scene here. It's pretty awesome. And Salt Lake. I mean, as you guys know, is in general, Salt Lake proper is pretty liberal. Yeah. 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 Easy. Uh, it's, our, it's our liberal bastion here yeah, in the red yeah, state. Sure. Yeah. Not to, uh, we can go back to, to the church thing a little bit, but like where I live, it's almost a non-issue to me. Um, in my day to day, you know, interacting with people, if I am interacting with Mormons, um, I don't know it day to day, you know, where when I lived in Sandia, that was very different. You know, I had to deal with people being a little more intrusive than, than they are down in the marmalade district. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, that, that actually reminded me about something I was thinking about, uh, yesterday that I know a lot of young atheists who are very much, you know, social justice warriors. They're, they recognize that they have privilege that other people don't, they know what privilege is. And as soon as you start talking about religion with them, 
they tune out and turn off and they're like, no, it's okay. People can believe what they want. And, and, and I started thinking about this yesterday that so many of the younger atheists here in Utah and that I know in general don't realize that they're privileged in having that, that idea in their head, right? Yeah. That, I mean, when, when you and I were kids, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit before, but, you know, my, my family wasn't the going to church every Sunday and serving callings kind of family. And so we, even though we were LDS and went to church fairly regularly, me even being a not as worthy LDS kid <laughs> couldn't play with some of the other LDS yeah. kids. You know, they couldn't stay at my house because we didn't go to church every, every Sunday yeah, or, right. or my parents didn't hold church callings or because my dad smoked or whatever, you know. And then I can remember that even even within that pecking order, there were the kids below me who weren't LDS at all. They were the Catholics, the Jehovah's Witnesses who lived across the street and were weird and don't go and talk to them <laughs> because they'll tell you Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and so when, when we were kids, like religion played this really big part in our daily lives and was really shitty to a lot of a lot of different groups of people. And now it's not so much that here in Utah. I mean, yeah. I know it still happens, but for my kids in particular, that hasn't really been an issue. But I've noticed a lot of people of that age, like of my around my kids' age, have this have this idea that no, people can believe what they want about religion; it's no big deal. And it it really struck me the other day that I was thinking about it. That wait, you're this social justice warrior person who is quick to call everybody out for every other thing in the world, and you're an atheist, but as soon as an atheist calls out a religious person for doing something, you know, untoward or or that you can just say that their religion in general is harmful, you're pushing back on the atheist who's saying that versus the religious person. And it's because you have that privilege now. You have the yeah. privilege of being raised in a world where religion wasn't an oppressive thing for you, so you don't recognize it as a threat. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with you. I think I I think religion is just evil, frankly, and yet I think you have to be a little careful in in your phraseology sometimes. And so I can understand people being like, well, but I do not think we have to respect everybody's beliefs. No, um, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm very very quick to try to point that out, and I think you're right. I think it's the you know not me personally per se, but the it's been a hard fought battle it's um hard fought gains and yeah then we get complacent and like oh it isn't that bad anymore but yeah give them an inch and you know wa let's it. watch what betty devos does yeah you know that scares the shit out of me to see yeah, yeah. What the direction we seem to maybe be heading with um with public education again and we just we just barely got out of that <laughs> yeah you know, and, they're, our, and they're never satisfied i yeah. mean they don't they don't want to only be they don't want only equal footing with everybody they want to rule everything sure yeah yeah and that's the danger i, I don't even know what to say other than fully agree well, I'm trying to yeah. trying to find that spot though between yeah you can you know you can be muslim if you want you can be christian if you want i'd be i'd be have a hard time telling somebody they can't do that but at mm. the same time um i think separation of church and state are paramount yeah. and mm. we don't yeah. have that but i that's what I would fight for. You, well, you can go do your dumb religious shit on your own property until you start hurting your kids or your wives or or one of us. You know, by all means, go have your fun. But uh, 
yeah, I don't know. That's my biggest frustration. That's probably in part why I'm here tonight. You know, I, <laughs> I, I hate religion. Yeah, I, I, I always really look at do. it. I don't hate it. religious people. Let me yeah, clarify. Yeah. I hate, I love my mom. I, I love Mormons. I hate Mormonism. Yeah. 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 I think you guys get that. Obviously, I just want to clarify. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love Muslim people. I'm happy to have people who have been, you know, or Islamic come to the United States. I'm not terrified of that any more than I am Christians. Oh, now, I'm, I'm more, I'm afraid, more of the afraid of the Christians than I am the Muslims, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as refugees go, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here in the U.S., you're more likely to get shot by a Christian than a Muslim anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a numbers game, but. I don't know. It it just it bothers me that that I see people doing that now. Where wait a minute, I've I've fought pretty hard over the last several years to make sure that you now live in a world where that isn't as big an issue to you. So don't tell me that it's perfectly fine for people to believe whatever they want yeah. to believe. Yeah. It's perfectly fine for them to believe whatever they want to believe in their own homes, yes. on their own time, and without forcing other people to live by those beliefs right you can you can believe whatever fucking nonsense you want in the privacy of your own home in your churches in your little social groups and clubs and whatever where you all worship some invisible sky wizard i don't give a fuck that doesn't bother me at all i'm bothered when you try to enforce those beliefs on other people mm-hmm. yeah and even that gets tricky though i mean where where do we draw the line can i can that parent then indoctrinate their children with this horse shit who really didn't get a choice? You know? Yeah. I don't personally, I, I want to lean on saying, no, they shouldn't be able to. It's like, it's a form of child abuse in my mind. To, I think so too. And that's going to get me into, you know, some sticky conversations, obviously, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I do feel that way. I, I, I won't apologize for that. I, I think religion is the single worst thing going in the world. Well, I, th- I think um, especially when you have the parents that are homeschooling their children and just yeah. giving them a, a religious basis of their education, then when they enter the real world, they're, they're stunted because that's not how the real world works. And those kids end up affecting the real world. Yeah. But, you know, if I, if I raise my kids in a, in a, in a more destructive cult than, than like say Mormonism, but one that, where where we get people that are doing jihad or sending their kids yeah. out to do suicide bombers, or I raise them to be so angry about abortion that they go to an abortion clinic and In, shoot the doctor, yeah, um, or the nurses or what have you. Then, yeah, where do you draw the line between? You, you can have your little fantasy, and that's fine. Part of me, yeah, I should just probably shut up while I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're I, absolutely you're absolutely right, though. But, I mean, and and I guess I could extend what I said earlier to say. You know, believe what you want in your own home and churches and little social groups and whatever, as long as you're not harming other people, including your own children. Yeah. You know, but but that is really tricky because yeah. I think even teaching children about hell is mm-hmm. a form of child abuse. Sure. And if you teach your children that uh, homosexuality is an abomination, and mm-hmm. then how are they going to treat my son in the right. real world? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I am not smart enough to have the answer on that one. That's for sure. But I. Yeah, it goes back to our earlier comment. You know, you wish you had a time machine somehow and could go back and just, you know, somehow stop it all. And you think about how much better off we would just be overall. People argue, oh, no, we would have no morals and all this. And it's you like, wonder, like, well, yeah. would would you kill Jesus or leave him alive or would you kill him earlier? <laughs> well, <laughs> go back and take Jesus care of Abraham. <laughs> but, I mean, even, yeah. even when, when you say that, though, it I just – 
in my mind, I'm like, okay, yeah, you go back and you stop Christianity from becoming a thing. They come to the future again. It's going to be a completely different religion. They're going to have invented another religion, another deity to follow by a different Possibly. name, but or, probably have or, the same circumstances. Or maybe you just go back in time and present really good arguments against the type of shit that's going on. Yeah, right? then they kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> they, they burn you at the stake or behead you or put you on a cross and nail and maybe you to that's, it. <laughs> maybe that's when we need to remember we are on an arc and, and in time, not, not Noah's. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, history, it's been a shit show and it still is, but it is getting exponentially better and, and, and with communication, mm-hmm. it's not fast enough for us in our, our lifetimes, of course. You know, I, I feel like I've, you know, that the risk of sounding incredibly arrogant. I think I've got that part figured out. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> horseshit. And if everybody could just leave that alone and then let's focus on real solutions, let's focus on science, let's well, focus on like real morality. Yeah. I know that's a, just a fantasy. I don't, I don't see any way to do that other than we keep fighting the fight and be kind and suffer through it. Well, like when, when you're talking about the arc, I was watching a show the other day. I can't remember the guy's name and I wish I could. Uh, it was about the history of comedy and it was about a comedian in the 1950s who had been jailed over and over and over again for making jokes against religion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was jailed for making, for making fun of religion. Yeah. Now, that's like a Jim Jeffries. That's all he fuck. Like there's so many comedians <laughs> that half of their standup is bashing religion. Yeah. That in that's the 1950s, <laughs> they would have been jailed and fined for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And people like us would have been and, shot in the street. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, hopefully it won't come to that, but it could happen again. And, and we, you know, kind of touched on earlier talking about what would you do? Would yeah. you, would you, would you burn at the stake or would you, would you go back on what you really believe? And I guess that's why it's important to stick to it is to yeah. think about those future generations. And uh, again, I don't, I don't know that I have the courage when, when push came to shove, I don't know what I'll do. I, I hope, I hope I have, I'll go to jail to- <laughs> for my, for my honest beliefs. I hope yeah. I won't back down. I, I'd, I'd rather look my kids in the eye and say, yeah, well, yeah, I went to jail for that. You know, and I, I kind of feel that way about marijuana. I'm like, I, do not think it should be illegal and I don't want to sit and act like it should be and be and act like I'm afraid of yeah. of the police and then at the end of the day I'm like eh, kind of am <laughs> <laughs> kind of don't want to go to jail for this you know and, and uh, I don't want to not be able to get a job I don't want to yeah. so you know society sets us up in that way where there's things that are in, to my mind obviously not not uh, immoral not yeah. bad not harming other people that that we can go to jail for you know, I can be put into a fucking cage for having a plant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and at one point in this country for having this bottle of yeah. beer, mm-hmm. I could have been put in a cage. Like, how does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and yet there's the laws and we look at our lawmakers and yeah, it's just so frustrating to 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 live in a community like Salt Lake where you feel like everyone around you agrees and then, and then Jason Chaffetz wins yeah. by a wide margin. Ah, yeah. You know, and I, I'm so frustrated by the politics here because. Fucking gerrymandering. Yeah. Gerrymandering. <laughs> what do we do about it? You know, I don't know. You know, bitch and keep voting, I guess. Well, we but, could burn them at the stake. Yeah. Could, oh, you know? I think you just <laughs> keep speaking truth to yeah. power and, and I don't know. I, I mean, the, the louder the chorus of voices, the easier it is to speak. Well, right? and the so. shitty thing is, is they just got voted in again. They're making these laws that everybody in the state are fucking hating now. 
Then when it comes time for election, they'll calm that shit down. And they get fucking reelected again. It's like people yeah. have really you short memories. Keep reelecting people. Then after you reelect them, they keep fucking raising taxes, yeah. doing the shit. And you're like, oh, we need to get them out of office. But then when you have the chance, you don't fucking do it. I, th- I, th- I think that politics in our country has just become more like a sport. <laughs> and, you know, people <laughs> pick sport. a team and then they. They're going to defend that team, yeah, period. No matter what. No matter what. And that goes for both sides, I think. Yeah. I think – well, I'm liberal. So, I, of course, I think more – it's more on the Republican side. But who knows? I, you know, I've got people that look at what I think and like, oh, you just whatever the liberal yeah. media says, you're going to believe it and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, you know, As opposed know. to what? Alex Jones or the fucking president? Right. Well, yeah. but then again, like you even said earlier, you didn't fully agree with everything Hillary – was doing or fully agree with her, but you still voted for her. Yeah. Where yeah. you will have people that are like, no, I 100% agree with everything Trump says. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's insane. It's like, yeah. how is that possible? Yeah. And make, and it goes, you know, what Trump being president's like Chaffetz yeah. being a representative of Salt Lake City. I mean, he, he didn't win the popular vote. We no. all know that, you know, and it's, it's insane that that guy didn't win and yet here he is. And mm-hmm. then, he keeps going on and it's like no one stops him. No. I'm just waiting for somebody to physically grab him and, and just say, okay, we're done with this. Come on. You're done. You're done. That was fun. Now get out of here, you know. Time time for your little pretend games to stop now. This is Lucian Greaves with the Satanic Temple and you're listening to Godless Revolution. Um, indeed, I believe people when they say – that they have experienced miracles. I, bl- I believe that they think that they have. I, I think I'm obliged to credit them if uh, it comes to that, um, as long as they keep it to, if you like, uh, if I can put it like this, modestly as I dare, to themselves. Um. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! You have been a delight to have in the studio with us this evening, Jason. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming over, man. And thank you for all of you. Like, I, I don't know that I would be sitting here doing this were it not for you and, and knowing you... In my formative years, I guess. Well, <laughs> thanks. And uh, yeah, that's humbling. And uh, I guess uh, anyone out there listening that is considering not speaking up, do. Um, it's not that bad, generally. <laughs> yeah. And, and-, and you never know. I mean, I, I really hope that doesn't come off like bragging. Uh, it, to me, it really is humbling to think like, wow, am I – my dumb ass said something at work and, and, <laughs> and then years later, this guy ended up being the, the president of atheists of Utah, you know, well, like, I wouldn't. and regional director of American atheists. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. And, a podcast. Yeah, I, I hope, yeah. the, I hope the message is, yeah, just, just be honest and you never know who's out there and who needs to hear it and who might look at you as somebody that they can listen to, you know, so yeah, I'll shut up. Sorry. <laughs> and and talk to you and just know that yeah. you're going to tell them what you honestly yeah. think. Yeah. And without without being a dick about it. That's yeah. yeah. The key point there is to listen and just understand you might not change change everybody's mind, but your minds do change. So I'm a former door to door Jesus salesman <laughs> on an atheist <laughs> podcast drinking a beer right now. So. <laughs> People change. <laughs> Um, before we go, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. We got a new one this week. Yay. Angelica Pearson, 
who I got to hang out with at the uh, Atheists of Utah camping trip last summer. Oh, nice. Well, and I was at the Atheists awesome. of Utah camping trip last summer. Yeah, I'm sure you met her. Okay. I'll I'll show you pictures and you'll go, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah. Well, I was really drunk the one night. Then the next day, we're trying to get your truck fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking truck. <laughs> it still runs. It's got a flat tire right now. Um, uh, but I also want to thank our other longstanding supporters, Christy Cal, Christy Kalbach, Andy, Vo- Andrew Vodopich, Wes Aaron, Utah Outcasts, Andy Faulkner, Taylor Grin, Grant Larimer, and Sabatacuna. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. Appreciate it a whole lot. Um, if you would go out and rate the show, that helps keep the show visible and gets other people, uh, gets us in front of more eyes for other people to see it out there. Want to thank Yvette for being on the show again last week. That was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you again, Jason, for coming on the show. This <laughs> has been awesome. I've wanted to sit down and talk to you about all this for like the longest time. Yeah. And so this has been, it's been nice. This has been a really good time, yeah. man. Coming up, I believe next week. And or the following week, we're going to be hitting the politics pretty hard. Oh. Our unnamed source has been yes. compiling a lot of information on Steve Bannon. What I've read whole, so far, I was like, holy shit, I didn't know half this stuff. Yeah, it's mm. it's a whole lot of crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, we've also got author Karen Garst who will be on the show April, that we're recording April 19th. Yeah. And I was contacted by Mithrin, who we had on the show previously. Ah, yeah. And when he had been on the show before talking about nutty Mormon history, uh, said that he was working on some books. Yes. And those are due to be released ah. in April. So okay. he will be joining us on the show to talk about those and some other fun stuffs. He had some crazy stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy and true. Yeah. Crazy and true LDS <laughs> church history stories. That's all I've got for tonight. All right. Y'all be excellent to each other. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll chat at you next week. Bye. 369. Damn, you're fine. Suck it, suck it, suck it to me, baby, one more time. From the window to the wall. Until sweat drops down my balls. Oh, these bitches crawl Oh, ski, ski, motherfucker Oh, ski, ski, goddamn Oh, ski, ski, motherfucker Oh, ski, ski, goddamn Show the crunk So fresh, so clean Can she fuck that question Been harassing me in the mind This bitch is fine I done came to the club I fifty them times Can I play with your penny line? Club wanna say I need to calm down. Security guard gon' sweat me now. Crack a junker than a motherfucker threaten me now. Three six nine, damn you're fine. Well, suck it, suck it, suck it to me, baby, one more time. From the window to the wall, until sweat drops down my balls. All these bitches crawl She coming up in the club, I mean she working And I like to see the female twerking Taking her clothes off, fucking naked ATL ho, don't disrespect it But pop your pussy like this, cause 
Yin Yang twins in this B.I.H. Little John and the East Side boys with me. And we all like to see the mess and titties. Back, back, back it up. 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 Stop. And wiggle with it, yeah, stop. And wiggle with it, yeah, stop. And wiggle with it, yeah. Three, six, nine. Damn, you're fine. Suck it, suck it, suck it to me, baby. One more time. From the window to the wall. Until sweat drops down my balls All these bitches crawl Oh, ski, ski, motherfucker Oh, ski, ski, goddamn Oh, ski, ski, motherfucker Oh, ski, ski, goddamn Thank you. <laughs>